Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Thursday Night at the Speakeasy Cafe. We would like to invite you to take the stage for the Sound of Ink Open Mic Poetry Night. Now, let's get started. I want your ink in our ears. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show, The Sound of Ink. I'm really excited to be here tonight. We've kind of had a bit of a change in schedule. As you know, some of, or some of you may know, I was going to be gone for two weeks out of July, and I'm still going to be gone for two weeks out of July, but I will be gone the week of the 19th and the 26th, okay? So I'll, we'll be doing a live show next week, and then the following two shows are going to be workshops, which I will get into in just a little bit, but I'm really excited to have those happening and be able to share with you and... Uh, share these poets with you, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So I have some announcements before we get started. You know, it's really funny because normally I have all of this stuff set up, right? And I've had this really amazing week and a lot of really cool stuff going on, and and I had all this stuff to share with you. And then I was sitting down a little bit earlier and I had on Netflix, I think it was, and I was watching a show called um, Paint Wars or something like that where they paint naked bodies, right? And this one guy, they, one of the exercises they had to do is they had to paint their own face with their worst fear. So they were basically facing their fear. Get it? Huh? Um, anyway, so this one guy came in. His face was painted like a spider. And most of you know how bad, badly I absolutely hate spiders, right? <laughs> so, and he sat there and he goes, I hate them. They're icky. They're creepy. You know, it, they say that you're never more than six feet away from a spider at any given time. And I'm thinking about that, and it just freaked me out. And so I'm running around before the show with a spray can everywhere I can find where I think a spider might be hiding so that I know that there's not going to be a spider within six feet of me. And so everything that all these intelligent, amazing, wonderful things that I planned on saying at the beginning of the show, just absolutely all the prep work I normally do just went completely out the window. So (laughs) that's what you guys get this week. I hope it's been a really, really good week for you guys. I hope you've had a lot of things you've found that have inspired you and and, uh, made you smile and think and wonder and and have that little creative muse ring around your brain. First announcement we are going to do is, if you are not part of our Worldwide Poetry Project yet, you can do so by going to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash rock that poem. Alrighty, check out what we have going on over there. It's easy as rock, paper, scissors, and a little bit of glue, and you can go out and share poetry with the world. It can be your favorite poet, poem, title of a poem, um your poet the poet's name it can be something of yours whatever um go but go check out what we're doing it's a lot of fun there's a lot of those rock me uh things going on all over the the world actually all over the world yeah um so this is our little corner of it all right rock that poem forward slash groups forward slash or no facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash rock that poem all right next if you're interested in doing a workshop with us 
All right. You can shoot me over a message on Facebook, probably the easiest uh, way to get a hold of me. If you're not on my contact list, you can find me under Nyla, N-Y-L-A dot Alicia, A-L-I-S-I-A. All righty. And we can uh, kind of figure out what, you, what it is you want to do. Now, you don't have to be a professional workshop provider in order to put one of these on. You just have a passion, have a, have a passion for what we do. Um, you know, I always say that we all have something to teach and we always have something to learn from each other. So this is just a way for us to spend a little bit more intimate time together than we're afforded to here on this show, all right? So shoot me a message. Let me know your your idea. It can be an actual workshop where you walk us through the steps of constructing an actual poem. It can be talking about uh, grammar. It can be talking about punctuation. It can be talking about a poetry form. It can Whatever it is you want to talk about. Um, you know, a decade of poetry, an era of poetry, a genre, an actual poet, take a poem and, and discuss that actual poem, meaning or whatever. You know, we can all put on our little felt caps and snap our fingers and wear those, you know, pipe pants, whatever they're called. Anyway, and drink, what was it, these uh, absinthe? We'll drink absinthe. I have some in my cupboard I'll share. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, it can be be on anything really that you want. The workshops can be anywhere between 30 minutes and three hours long, depending on how much time you need. They can be recorded live or they can be recorded um, pre-recorded. They can be a combination of both, such as the one that uh, Philip Church is doing with us on writing sonnets. All right, uh, we're going to be doing part of that. Uh, well, actually, no, that one will be all pre-recorded. So that's an example of an all pre-recorded one. And uh, Emily's, Emily Viewing is going to be doing one with us. I think those are the two that we may have on uh, the weeks that I'm gone, if we can get Emily's recorded. Phillips is, is halfway done. Um, we'll have those going for you. So you can, it's, just, it's a lot of fun, you guys. Uh, please let me know what you want to do, and we'll get these set up, and uh, we'll be able to, to sit and have fun and talk and learn things together. So, yeah, okay. Next thing, <laughs> I want to make sure that I take a moment to thank Star Severon and James Wensapian and Roy Murdoch for sponsoring the show, helping us with our three-hour licensing this year, keeping us on the air at three hours. Appreciate you guys so much. We love our sponsors. Now, the fun part. Make sure you have your paper, paper and pencils ready. Don't try this home, kids. Have your papers and your pencils or pens ready, okay? At the beginning of every show, I give you uh, a writing prompt, and then I give you a writing exercise. Now, those are different in that the exercise, which I'm going to give you first, the exercise is meant to push you out of your comfort zones, make you stretch those muscles, do something you normally wouldn't do, push yourself out of your boundaries, you know, see things in a way that you normally wouldn't see them, look at them in a way that you might not, you know, from a different perspective, write about something you may never have written about before or would have even thought about writing. This is where we get messy with our muses, and that's where the fun is, folks. You know, it's it's great to write our masterpieces, but, you know, when you forget how fun getting messy is, then that's when your craft becomes a chore, and nobody wants that because then we all know where that goes. But that's for a whole other show. Maybe I'll talk about that. Maybe I'll do my... my, my uh, Writer block. I'm, I'm going to do that one. Okay, anyway, so anyway, yeah, back. I'm here. <laughs> Hi, kids. Um, <laughs> your exercise. So for the month of July or June. Oh, no, that was June. I can't do that now. 
this is a whole new month. This is the first show in July. Oh, no, you know what that means. i got to play one of my tracks. Oh, see, I so should have not worried about the spiders and done a lot more prep on this show. Okay, so we aren't doing the fake news. That ended last month. That's what we did for the month of June. But this is July, so I'm going to have to think of something pretty quickly. Let's do this. Why don't I play a track? Because I want to think of something fun we can do for July. Oh, I want to... Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Oh, wait. So let's do that. Yeah, we're going to play a track. So the, the track I'm going to play, and I'm just trying to sell so I can find one of mine. I don't know which one to play. Um, I'll do I Am Sorrow. That's kind of a weird one. Anyway, it'll take, a, that'll take me like four minutes to, to figure out your exercise really quick. All right, so completely planned here is a four minute track from yours truly because it is the first of the month and that was my agreement with you guys because i got yelled at for never sharing any of my work um the first show of every month i would play a track to open the show with one of one of mine so um i need it's more uploaded on here so anyway the one i'm going to do is i am sorrow and we will be right back guys i am sorrow Keep thinking about you. How do I stifle this scream? I am living inside a caged nightmare of dreams. I fight for my freedom, but it never comes. A prisoner in this. I am completely undone. How can anyone help me when I can't help myself? If I can't explain it to me, how can I explain to anyone else? I am a regret. I am sorrow. I am my every sin. I am the enigma of us. With no hope for an end. I am a lost soul. Your ghost within, existing in the purgatory of you living under my skin. I reach for my reflection, I reach for the light in a hall of mirrors where nothing looks right. Pray, quiet my mind, put this spinning to end. Caught up in our memory, echoing over and over again. Lord, help me, I beg. I am down on my knees. How many more nights 
I am regret. I am sorrow. I am my every sin. I am I an enigma of us with no hope for an end. I am a lost soul. I am a shadow. I am your ghost within, existing in the purgatory of you, living under my skin. How do I stifle this scream? I am living inside a caged nightmare of darkness. Okay, as promised per our New Year agreement, that was one of my tracks um, played for the first show of the month. I have fulfilled my contractual Okay, so the writing exercise and the writing prompt for the month of July. Welcome, July. All right, so we did headlines, and they were always, you know, three. The last two months we've done the the three, and I'm not going to do that this month. This month I want us to do some exercises in free writing. Okay, and we kind of touched that, uh, talking about that a little bit last week. Just real quick, I want to give you the number to call in, guys, before uh, I get into this part of it. The number, if you want to call in and read tonight, is 646-595-3965. That's 646-595-3965. All righty? So your your exercise for this week, the exercise I'm going to have you do is called He Said, She Said, But Would You Believe? And the scenario, I think that I'm going to do this one again next week, but from a complete, completely different angle and kind of show you how you can. You know, I'm always talking about these exercises, making you think about something in a different way or look at it in a different way. I think maybe for the month of July we might do that with this and find different ways, different perspectives we can write about this same thing. So this first week... I want to do the scenario of, and you can do this, you guys, this is, um, this is just free writing. You can free write a poem. You can free write a short story. You can free write just truly random, uh, random free writing, whatever thoughts come to your head, and just leave it in there. Um, you know, this is an exercise. It's to make your pen move, make it move in a new direction, make you think about things differently. So the scenario I want you to write about, considering that the, the – um, the theme of he said, she said, but would you believe? And actually, um, I'm going to change that because there's a saying that I say all the time, and uh, so I don't want it to be believed. What I want it to be is he said, she said, and the truth lies in the middle. Okay, that's that's a nihilism. So he said, she said, 
and the truth lies in the middle. You know, and it's it's under the whole concept of you can take a man and you can take a woman and set them on opposite corners of an intersection and then have an accident take place in the middle of the intersection, right? Questioning each person, they're going to tell you exactly what they saw, but because they were looking at it from a different perspective, neither of their answers are going to match, but both of their answers are 100% the truth. So that's the, the concept I want you to look at, that for her, you know, what she's saying, the truth. For what him, what he's saying is the truth. So where's that, that voice in the middle that can help combine the two? So what I want you to think about this week, he said, she said, but the truth lies in the middle. I want you to think about a couple fighting, and you are... Uh, observing this, right? You're the voice in the middle of this argument. I want you to write about a fight and their perspective from the gray area, that lawful neutral place, you know, that, that, that place of total indifference where you're more or less Paul Harvey telling the rest of the story. You're the narrator, you know, you're, you're that neutral place. And, and uh, so I want you to write about the fight. He said, she said, you know, this is her perspective, this is his, but this is what's really going on. And then I want you to end with a simple resolution from the voice of reason. Okay, so, you know, you two are so angry that you don't understand this is what's really going on and this is how simple the fix is, you know. So he said, she said, but the truth lies in the middle. Couples fighting right from that gray area, that, that lawful neutral place in the middle, and at the end be the simple voice of resolution. Okay, so that's your exercise for this week. And if you didn't get all that down, just come back, listen to the archive after the show ends, and you can finish it there. And if you ever need any writing prompts late night, just go to one of our archives, open it up, and there's always these prompts at the middle. All right. So the prompt for this week, that was your exercise. The prompt for this week is different. The prompt is actually intended to provoke a poem, a seed of thought. You know, it can... it. All I can do is put it out there like a dandelion fluff, and it's up to you guys where it goes. You know, this can be the title to your poem. It can be a line in your poem. It doesn't even have to be anywhere near your poem, but it's just the general concept of your poem, okay? All it does is plant a seed, and, you know, we'll see what it grows into. But your prompt for this week is fingers dripping paint. That's your prompt. It can be a title a line in, or the general concept of fingers dripping paint. All righty? Cool. There we go. All right. So, guys, if you're on hold tonight, as once again, I said before, I should probably say it because I tend to meander, you are listening to the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show, The Sound of Ink. It is time to get to our callers give you the number real quick if you'd like to call in it is 646-595-3965 that's 646-595-3965 all righty um, we are having a little bit of line issues tonight so if you're not able to get in please keep uh keep trying it'll eventually let you in um yeah well we'll see what's going on here um, we may end up actually getting getting to um play some tracks tonight too which will be awesome because we've got a brand new one if we don't get to play it during the show we'll play it at the end of the show we've got a brand new one from Written in Pain so that's going to be a treat to hear I haven't even heard it yet just fresh off fresh off the griddle alright so 
If you're on hold, this is what you can expect. We do take callers in the order that you call in, such as area code 540 is our first caller tonight. Listen for your telephone area code. When we bring you on, please make sure that uh, you tell us who you are. All right. It's real important that we know who's reading, so introduce yourself. You can read, uh, right now, because we're having the line issues, you can read two poems if you'd like to start out the show. Reading two pieces, that would be awesome. Please keep your reads to right about five-minute mark. Be courteous to the people who are waiting in line behind you. And then when you're done reading, make sure that you give us your URL. That way people will know how to come find you, how to give you some loves, all that good stuff. Get to know you and your writing better before you come back here and read again next week. All right? And then do remember, please, that we have a mature rating on this show. So we're like, you know, cable TV, um, the mature rating. So you are bound to hear just about anything, okay, and very often and on a regular basis we do. Um, but do keep in mind that we do not have an adult rating, all right? So no no word porn, no bumping body parts, no tab A into slot B, you know, don't get graphic, you know, the adult stuff, and better than that, we're good to go, all right? Erotic is fine, word porn is not, if that makes sense. No body parts. We don't need nipples. Nipples, we know, okay? Shh. Hide those pads, whatever, okay? Anyway, so, <laughs> first caller. Let's get our first caller in here. Save me from myself. First caller is area code 540. 540, you're on the air. Well, hey, this is Phil Church down in Virginia. Hey, Philip, I was just talking about you, my darling. Yes, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm saying that, and it's like, oh, hell no, I wasn't supposed to talk about what the topic was yet. You were going to announce it this week, so we're going to pretend like I didn't even talk about what your topic was. So, Phil, I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad you're our first caller because I can take a moment with you. You're doing a workshop with us soon, aren't you? Yes, I am, and it's on Sonic. <laughs> you're kidding me. I am so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I would never have guessed that. So, yes, I did get that in the mail. I opened it up. I listened to it. It sounds great. Um, We're going to get the first part of it pre-recorded where I get to interview you a little bit, and we could just get a chat, put those together, and that will be ready to go. Um, Ready to go when I'm gone. That sounds good. Uh, just, you know, give me a holler whenever you want to do that. And I tell you what, I, I, that was harder than I thought it was going to be because. You, no, tell him it was easy. Tell, well, I mean, for me, <laughs> when you're trying to tell how to, to do a, 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 a poetry form, you know, and you can't show people what you're talking about. You have to, you know, describe it with your words. That, mm-hmm. But, uh. No, I, I was I was kind of pleased with how it did finally turn out. Your little introduction was so cute. I laughed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I want to talk to you about, you know, you're talking about in that you're talking about the iambic uh, the the rhythm of it, the the word usage, you know, teaching us how to count all that. Um, one of the things I'm going to want to talk to you about is I want you to give me some examples when we talk to our when we pre-record our part is I want so I want you to have time to think about that but we're going to talk about how you know which words those are how do you choose those words 
Oh, uh, yeah, that's a, that's especially when you're trying to get that that unaccented and mm-hmm. accented. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, some people may not understand exactly what that accent is on a word and how you pick out the right word and how do you know what it is. And, and uh, you know, for me, that was the toughest, toughest part of thinking about writing a sonnet, which I've never, that's my unicorn. I've never written a sonnet. And, and uh, yeah, Michael Todd has been, he, he's been like the master of sonnets for me for my entire online poetry presence. And, uh you know, we've talked about them before, but it's just, it's like, how do I know which word? Because, and, and, this is, and this is a really legitimate question to think about because, like you, you have an accent. Right. You say a word yeah. completely differently than I do. Exactly, yeah. You know? <laughs> and And so and if, you've read, if you read old English poetry, okay, you can sit there and you'll read a poem and you'll think, well, those two words don't rhyme at all. But if you say it with an old English accent, they rhyme perfectly. So you have to consider oh, yeah. that. You know when you're what you know what your stress syllable is. How do you pick up those that rhythm, that melody when you're writing? So that's I want to talk, be prepared to talk about that because that you got into it a little bit, but I think that's the biggest challenge of a sonnet. So I want well, to talk you know, about that too. Probably one way you can tell you've walked in on a poet uh, at work, and and of course my wife has has watched me do this countless times, and she thinks I'm insane. Is I'm sitting there counting on my fingers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to get the syllables and, and speaking these words, and each syllable I'm counting a finger, and and only and it's when you're doing it, you know, uh, uh, just you sitting at a uh, <laughs> a keyboard with one hand and counting your syllables with the other on your fingers. I guess to an onlooker, it does look kind of strange. <laughs> yeah, that too. You know, the syllable count in a word. You know, if oh, if yeah. if, uh, if I say you're from the south, I say you're from the south. How many syllables is that? That's six syllables. No, south. The word south. South. <laughs> okay. Now, if I say it like I'm down in the south. I live in the South. How many syllables is it? <laughs> that's, that's it. Absolutely. Well, you know, it, it, you can tell people, uh, like, uh, uh, you never say Louisville, Kentucky. It's Louisville. That's how you can tell what it really has been to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, or uh, you mm-hmm. don't say New Orleans. You say New Orleans, you know. Yeah, yeah. So those things are all important. You know, oh, yeah. may, you may have to say, this is my sonnet written Southern dialect, you know, or this is my sonnet written in, you know, <laughs> sign language. I don't know. Because <laughs> it can be different. It can be different. So, it, you know, talking about how we determine where that stress syllable is as we're constructing these rhythmic lines and sentences and putting them together, that would be that's awesome. Good. Yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Lots so you have fun. a little bit of time to, to get it. some examples ready. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So this is kind of a tease, you guys, kind of an idea of what we're going to be doing on this, talking about writing the sonnet. I was one of those people who was all – I was a free writer. Since a child, I was a free writer. Since I was old enough to get a spanking for drawing on my walls with crayons, all right? And so when I started doing more and more, working with other writers, you know – putting myself out there more getting getting out of the the you know the dresser drawer of my journal hiding days as i started immersing myself more in the poetic community i thought you know 
I really need to have an understanding of this craft more than I do. And so a long time ago on New Year's, I made the resolution that every single month I would learn and write two new poetry forms. So at least I have a working knowledge and understanding, even if I don't write in form poetry all the time, of what they are. And it's exactly, another way yeah. yeah, of stepping out of your comfort zone because now if I hear something, I think, you know, I want to try to write a villanelle. And it's completely different than sitting down to write a poem. And so one of those things that makes your brain think in a direction it normally doesn't go, and you have to do that in order to stay a creative person. So instead of saying, I'm going to sit down and write a poem about a purple sink, you say, I'm going to sit down and write a villanelle. And so all of a sudden, my problem was I thought about it as math, and I couldn't do that. So I would think about it as um, a word puzzle. And you, I mean, you drive down the street with me and you show me those abbreviated license plates with words, man, you can't stop me. But numbers, if I even see numbers and says, someone says, what's 1% of 10? My brain cramps up and I can't think. I'm numerically dyslexic, seriously. And so numbers, numbers in my brain hurt. But letters, I can unweave those all day long. So it's, if you look at it as a word puzzle, something fun. You know, it takes the scary, the boogeyman out of it. So, exactly, yeah. Yeah, but the sonnet, I still, ha- I still have not, I still have not mastered the sonnet. Or written this on Mastered Hell. I haven't even attempted a crappy one. <laughs> so I'm excited about your workshop. Oh, good, good. So now how have you been this to... week? And <laughs> Yeah, see, we're, we're oh, both there. <laughs> I've, I've had I've had a really good week. Um, as a matter of fact, we uh, uh, went down on the park, the Blue Ridge Parkway, and uh, to the uh, the real Mayberry, and uh, then we went down to Mount Airy, which Mayberry uh, is kind of based on, and visited with some friends right down the road from where Andy Griffith grew up, from the house he he grew up in. They've turned it to like a museum down there, so that was an interesting time. That's very cool. That sounds really fun. It was. And I, you know, me, I love my mountains and all down here. As a matter of fact, and this is a segue into my poetry reading, uh, right now there's something going on this time of night and all that, uh, not every summer night, but uh, on a night like this especially, and it's uh, the gloaming is happening. So I I had written a, a poem about the gloaming years back, so I want to read it to you here real quick. And it's, uh, it goes like this. The gloaming. Unsounded deep within mountain hollows from the perishing day when woodland creatures nestle in warmed furrows free from fear, a determinate acronian illuminance emanates such a softened ray of shadowy vestige and luminance with a descending gloaming here. For it is the gloaming that divides the darkness from the ethereal light, parsing the seraphic shafts of light from the Stygian phantoms of shadow, bidding some into darkness, while assuring an eerie glow only so bright, but fraught with brilliant hues of purples and blues in fiery orange glow. End poem. That was amazing. Did it take you there? I hope it did. It did. It did. 
you know I can hear the sound I can hear that that hiss I can I can see the the red amber the all of it just beautiful uh, and we got it all going on right now I mean I'm looking outside and uh, uh, fireflies we we've got all kinds of fireflies lightning bugs you know I don't know <laughs> they're called different things but for some reason this year uh, down here, we've just got millions of them. It's unreal. Oh, can I come visit? Sure. You all come down. <laughs> the first time first time I ever saw fireflies, I went. I was so excited. Um, I went and I was running through this field. And when I, when I said I was going to get out of the car and I was going to go chase fireflies, you know, he said, be, be careful of. And I go out there and I'm chasing fireflies, and I thought about it for a minute, and I came running back, and I jumped in the car, and, I, and he, says, he says, what are you doing? And I said, I didn't want to get bit by chicklets. He says, chicklets, what are you talking about? Chicklets, he said they'd bite me and burrow in my skin. <laughs> Tiggers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was those. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're so hard be because I called too. them chicklets. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to read my second one and then get off here and let somebody else have a chance at it. But uh, this one, uh, this is is an earlier poem of mine, but this one has actually been made into a a song. Uh, And um, I'm trying to think of the gentleman's name. It's John Grounds uh, made this into a beautiful song. But um, I'll give you just a quick background. At one point in my life, I, I actually I made tombstones uh, for a living. I uh, engraved them, sandblasted them, and uh, you realize that it, it once they're laid out, it only takes like you know five minutes to make a tombstone. And uh, you know, I always thought, gee, you know, I want to leave more behind than just a rock with my name on it. That it took some guy like me five minutes to sandblast. So this is called stones. Stones orbit the sun, stones turning to sand. When the war's won, drop the stone from your hand. Stones placed upon stone, we stack them so high. Stacking's never done. Stones build up to the sky. Stones in our souls formed by what we condone. Wrath fills the bowls while our hearts turn to stone. Stones circle the hinge. They point to the sky. Stones mark revenge or things held upon high. Stones found in the earth turned up in the sod. We value their worth or worship as God. Living our life with what we have known, walking through strife as a field strewn with stones. We're here together. We own what we say, wondering whether we cast stones away. Rise above the fray, because we all die alone. And beyond your last day, leave more than a stone. End poem. That was incredible. That was really incredible. You know, when I was in... Where was it? South Carolina. I was in South Carolina, and 
was at the convention center, and right across the street from the convention center was a cemetery. And I had to take a break. I had to leave the cemetery for, or the cemetery. I had to leave the convention for a while because I was just, I had to move around. I'd been sitting too long. And so I walked outside, and first of all, walking outside in the middle of the summer is like, in South Carolina, it's like having someone hold a hot, steamy dish rag up to your mouth and expecting you to be able to breathe. It was horrible, hot, oh. But I wanted to go over and look at the cemetery because I'd never seen anything like it. All of the the graves were above ground in these cement boxes, you know, and I've yeah. seen stuff like that in films about New Orleans, but, you know, I'd never actually seen them before, and I went over, and what I was amazed is that, you know, all of these graves that were above ground in these cement boxes and had these big lids on them, how incredibly beautiful they were. You know, it didn't just have someone's name and date of existence. You know, it it had stories written about them, who they were. You know, this is a mother who taught us both how to live and how to die and how to laugh and how to cry, and, and that's the only part of it I remember. But they had this great big, huge, long thing written about, you know, how amazing their mother was. And I thought, you know, that was pretty cool. It was really cool to see that because I'd never had anything like it. It just blew my mind. I thought, you know, when I die, I'm going to have something written on my tombstone. You know, and so I always thought about it. So there's a poem that I wrote that when I die, I want to have that poem etched on my tombstone and then at the very bottom just my name and, and years. You know, that's all I want it to say. Because that way I know that that piece of me that was that important to say about me is left there to share with the world. It's kind of a neat thought, I think. Uh, it is. Yeah, it is a neat thought. i tell you what, the oddest one I ever saw, uh, I'll never forget it, uh, because we would set, we would engrave these things and set them in the field, you know, we call it the field, but, uh, and it was a black granite, and it had dollar signs on either side, and it said, to your God on earth, pleasure, vexation, and vanity. And I thought, oh my goodness, somebody wow. <laughs> got the half on that guy or he you know or whoever that was but yeah that that was that was oof that was the probably the wildest forever but you know i did i made tombstones for a living but i i had to get out of the business because people kept taking me for granite oh geez oh geez oh, okay <laughs> you, you know the, the funniest me. one i ever saw my parents took us to boot hill in nevada you know the old the old cemetery yeah. boot hill the real boot hill and this yeah. was back when I was a little kid, and so it's before they fixed up everything. You know, and this was like the original tombstone still there and everything. And the one I will never forget was a piece of wood that all it was carved in it was dyed with one boot on. Oh, my God. That's all it said. It didn't even have the person's name. I'll never forget that. You know, how would you like to go through eternity being known as the guy who died having one boot on? Right. <laughs> one boot Wally. <laughs> Isn't the world inspiring? The world is so inspiring. It's so amazing. All right, Phil, we've been talking a long time. Yeah. Well, y'all y'all can find me on Facebook at Phil Church. Uh, you can search for me on Amazon at uh, Philip Kent, K-E-N-T, Church. And uh, with that, I'll uh, turn it all over to somebody else, and we'll be talking to you later this week. All right, and because we are having problems with the phone lines, I, uh, if you want to try calling back, hang up and try calling back in, or just press 1 and get out of the lineup and press 1 to get back in would probably be better. 
you know, if you can run through the callers we have online right now, you're welcome to read more because I think we're going to need it tonight. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll talk Bye. to you in a bit, hon. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Real excited about having him do that workshop. We will be posting one that will be on my page. All right. Our next caller comes from area code. I'm going to give the next four callers just so you know. We have 903 next, then we have 256 <laughs> and 919. So 903, you're on the air. Good evening, Nyla. Hey, how are you doing, sweetheart? Uh, just another day in hell. <laughs> this is burning. I got heat rashes all over. That's uh, never paradise. Not right now, anyways. It gets it gets up to a hundred, if not more than that. I Where got heat rashes in Chafe, Texas. Ah, oh, that's right. East Texas. It's boiling. That's right. <laughs> I lived in Houston, I remember. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Other than that, I'm doing all right. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm pretty confident right now that, you know, I have a six-foot spider-free zone around me, so I'm I'm awesome. <laughs> awesome. That's cool. <laughs> I have spiders that live in my apartment, and I have bugs too, but they don't bother me, so... But you know, I can play with snakes fear, all day long. So. I can play with mice. I, you know, I, 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 I go out for God's sakes all by myself. You know, 28 miles, whatever it is, away from, you know, actually 128 miles from any town up into the desert, and because uh, the closest town is nothing but a restaurant from there, uh, <laughs> and, and and camp out with all the the creepies and the crawlies and stuff, and I'm fine. But you get me near a spider, mm-mm. Spiders and moths, yeah. no. Yeah, my dad's afraid of spiders too. So and my brother too. But, all right, well I brought. I'm not uh, real fond of butterflies some... either. Butterflies are just moths and drag. They're they're moths with with way too much fashion <laughs> sense, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right, well, I I did some homework from last month. I got two poems, and okay. I'm not really calling them poems, but whatever. So the first one is blank faked a passport to avoid tax evasion. So, and it's uh, Santa Claus faked a passport to avoid uh, tax evasion. Jolly old Saint Nick carried and delivered his presents all around the world in only one night. What a fucking miracle that is. Seems quite daft, huh? But every tale talks about him achieving this, so... It must be true, correct? Either he does or does not. It doesn't matter either way. But he is a miracle man if he does pull that off. He has Christmas and Yuletide all thoroughly figured out, planned, and executed perfectly. However, his taxes are another story. Him and Miss Claus don't know nothing about doing their taxes at all. And it got so bad that he had to take a passport, or so he had to fake a passport, and moved to a country that doesn't have extradition laws. And so the federal government and the Internal Revenue Service cannot come and get him for evading taxes. That's in peace. <laughs> and I would just like everyone to know that no Santa Clauses were hurt in the making of this poem. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> he did. He did lose his his property in the north in the North Pole, but I guess it is Aww. it is what it is. <laughs> All right, this one is uh, blank or doctor pulled blank out of patient of a patient's ear. We got doctor pulled Cthulhu out of a patient's ear. He went to an. I'm not even. I'm gonna try to pronounce it. I never even heard the word before. But otolaryngologist, which is basically ear, foot, and nose doctor, complaining about there being something in his ear and that it was hurting extremely badly and that he had used ear medicine, took hardcore pain pills, and nothing seemed to work. He went into her office and she let him, she she let me take a look. Uh, she said, let me take a look, sir. She looked into her Nautico optoscope into my ear and screamed out, Holy shit, what the fuck is that? She grabbed her tweezers, stuck them in, my, in his right ear and pulled extremely hard and kept on pulling whatever was, was inside of his ear. After, after three hours of extensive pulling and his ear aching and pain, she finally pulled out whatever was inside of his ear. Holy fucking shit, it's Cthulhu. Run away, she said. But before he could get up off the table, Cthulhu consumed them, them for it for its mid-morning snack and then consumed her as well. That's the end piece. That's that weird, crazy octopus-looking thing, right? Yeah, it comes from H.P. Lovecraft's uh, Cthulhu Mythos, and some people mm-hmm. actually believe it to be a religion now, too. It's been turned into a cult. <laughs> I'm people a actually follow his rituals. <laughs> hey, that works. <laughs> I know about Pontifarian. That's fine, too. <laughs> Yay! May his, may his uh, newly appendage, uh, appendage touch you. That's one of your sayings, isn't it? Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I've really heard anyways. Right I had some... Whatever that was, it just, it just pushed <laughs> me over the edge. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I have something in my ear. <laughs> yeah, right. You need to get that checked out. Now, so I decided to do some... tell everybody who oh. you were. No, I'm a ghost. Now, I'm Eric Nelson, Manly Shellman, and you can find me on Facebook, that's Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. And you can find me at my like page on Facebook. It's Poet Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. Find me on YouTube. It's Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. You can find me on Poem Hunter. It's Eric Nelson Manley Shellman. That's really it. I'm working on, I got 23 poems left to type up, but my Microsoft Word just went haywire on me. And I'm trying Uh-oh. to figure out what the hell is wrong with it. So I need that because I got to send to, I'm sending it to an editor and then I'm sending my book which is called uh, uh, Rant Me This, uh, Expressions of Explicit Poetry Now. And uh, then I'll be sending it to a printing press after that. So. Very cool. I'm doing, I'm doing the alternative route because I've been screwed. I've got published for free, and I, I got screwed because I had to buy, sell, promote, advertise, and distribute everything by myself with no help and then I also paid a publisher another publisher to help me and that didn't work out 
So, but I'm still trying to get, uh, still going to get my all my books published eventually. I have seven or six right now. I'm working on my seventh. Uh, I'm still working, I'm working on, on my a short third. story actually right now. There you go. Still working I on know, it first. All, you need all a these kit. years, and I've been working on it for so long. You know, but every time it's Dang. like, okay, I'm going to write, I'm going to do the book. And then it's, okay, I'm going to do the book and do illustrations. Okay, I'm going to do the book in journal form and put drawings in there. And I'm going to put some photography in there, too. Maybe I'll, you know, tape a flower that I got from the prom in there. And then oh, it would be really cool <laughs> if I did an accompanying CD. And so it just it's turned into this huge, overwhelming project that I should just say, no, just write a book. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You got to stay motivated. That's for sure. Writing a book is hard. Mhm. Yep, I let and myself actually get writing isn't by hard. Squirrels, too, squirrels too often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, that's it takes it takes uh lots of motivation and willpower to write. You just got to keep steady with it. I've written I've written 6 and I'm working on my 7th and I'm actually working on my first audio books right now too, and I'm trying to do some audio DVDs too. So. Don't see now. You just made me think of video. Now I'm gonna have to do like <laughs> like videos of these on CD and do MP4s instead. Oh, Uh-oh. you guys are never gonna get my book ever. <laughs> Devouring stars. It's not an awesome title. Devouring stars. Yeah, it is. The Bowen Stars, yeah. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a of a band I like. It's called Mimicking Stars. You should check them out. Pretty good. That sounds cool. But you can find them on YouTube. They got all three of their CDs. Their first one was self-titled. My friend got me into them. So. But that's, that's awesome. pretty cool. So well, we're going to talk about wait. that next week, next. you guys. And we're going to talk about... I want you to think about if you... If you were to write a new book, if you've already written one book, if you're going to write the next book, I want to think of where some really. I want you to really think hard on cool book titles, and I'll tell you why later. Okay, but if I ask you sometime what you would name a book, I want you to be able to tell me. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, Eric. Oh, I was just saying that's that's a cool that's a cool band, and I was going to say that I'm going to let the next next let the next real poet on. <laughs> All right, Eric. <laughs> All right, Nyla, we'll have a good one. We'll talk next Now, remember, yep, we I'm are live home. next week, okay? So we're live this week, live next week, and the workshop's going to be on the 19th and the 26th. I don't know what live means, but okay. What's that mean? We're We're on live right now. You're talking to the world. Say hi. Hi, world. I thought you meant live <laughs> like on Facebook or something. <laughs> I'm no, confused. No, no. See, now you're getting like, me I'm those, not uh, being video chatted right now. <laughs> That's right. I'm not video chatting right now. <laughs> All right, honey. All right, we'll talk I'm to gonna... you next week, sweetheart. All right. Have a good one. Right. Bye. You too. Call back in if you want to read another. All right. Our next caller comes from area code two five six two five six. You're on the air. Good evening, Nyla. Hey, sweetie. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. It is very good to hear from you. Oh, it's good to be heard from. So uh, tell everyone what's going on. First, introduce yourself. Oh, this is Stan Phillips out of Alabama. 
And finally, a lot of running around and doing other things and the holiday and all that has finally settled down. So, ah, poetry time finally again. (laughs) Nothing like it to just unwind, right? Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) I have been looking forward to this, too, I'm telling you. So did you do anything fun and exciting over the 4th? Actually, we had a great cookout with some friends, hit the river, and then we went to this nice, like, creek and and did some picnicking there and actually had a nice, calm, friendly fourth. <laughs> just, That's great. Just, just very mellow. That's awesome. I cooked chicken. Oh. Huh? That was about it. That's all I did. I cooked chicken. Hey, you cook chicken. <laughs> we cook steaks. <laughs> <laughs> if I told you why I cooked chicken, you would laugh. You know I'm a costume designer, that I do stuff for people who go to Burning Man and Renfest and things like that, right? Yeah. So I have this costume I need to do for this girl, and I need bones for it. So I cooked up 24 chicken legs, hot wings. Because then after, you know, the ch- the hot wings are all gone, I can boil the bones down, bake them, turn them white, and use them in the costume because I needed the bones. So that's why I cooked a chicken. Wow. For the, <laughs> How weird for is the that? Bones. <laughs> for the bones. Hey. <laughs> I feel like the weird lady who's going to walk down the street and give all my neighbor chicken legs and tell them I need the bones back. Oh, <laughs> my I'm, yeah. the, I'm that neighbor, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me your bones, rolling a cart down the street, ringing a bell. Bones, exactly, bring me your bones. Exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, I've, I've, I've thought about going to, like, go up to a ranch or something and knock on their door and say, Hi, do you have a boneyard of dead animals I can go to? I need some rib what? bones really bad. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. How, how do you do that without really not sounding creepy? Uh, you don't, actually. <laughs> right, right. So instead, I just put an ad on Craigslist. I need bones. <laughs> well, that'll work. Uh, yeah, that'll some weirdo out there might know what there's something I can From that as well, yes. I think you put you some know, the, interesting responses. There's, the problem is I get an idea in my head. And as it starts to grow and build, if I can see it, I have to make it. And so when I'm looking at this costume I'm making for this gal, I have to have some rib bones. So that's my quest. I've got the the chicken bones I can use, but I need rib bones too. So, and I can't get the thought out of my head, so I can't change it to anything else right now. It's horrible. It's such a horrible thing. Stan. Oh, yes. Hi. Would you bring hi. it? Hi. Well, I'll tell you, I'm bringing back an old one here tonight. Because of the way things have been going lately, and, and um, not just politically, social things have been crazy. I mean, absolutely. I have never seen us taking more steps backwards quicker than we have in this time. Mm-hmm. And seriously, you know, I would have never thought that people would actually imagine a return to McCarthyism as a good thing. But it seems to be the trend. Mm-hmm. And that's disturbing. You know, that's a disturbing mindset. So I can only say, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So this is a little piece I wrote. Its title is Complexion. And the reason I did that was to basically set up a uh, kind of a hook. Because it, the word is, the title is Complexion, but it's C-O-M-P-L-E-X slash S-H-U-N. I'm basically setting out some bait for the politically correct crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Which, amazingly, no one took. I was very pleased with that. No one actually took the bait. I love that. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. I think so. So I'm going to do that piece. Taking some time for a moment's reflection. We've had a series of historic elections. Though it might cause some social contention, I think it's time for me to mention. I've seen the rage and the frustration in most every generation, struggling with the same contemplation. Why is there so many complications between politics and corporations? Well, being of an older generation, while still in search of an explanation, tried Transcendental meditation with a little herbal alteration, which totally fucked my concentration. But on coming down from that elevation, I happened upon a revelation, which I share with you now as consolation. You see, with a greed-driven determination and some Madison Avenue imagination, It's politicians and corporations who create and further these complications. Why? Why to give rise to justifications for their bullshit rationalizations. With an assist in media manipulation, they aid and abet in our self-segregation. How better to control the population of this nation? until we the people come to the realization they offer little and true explanations and rely too damn much on their own fabrications. But hey, that's just this old madman's observations. Or is it? In peace. You know, I think about... I think about kids today. I think about politics a lot. I think about, you know, what kind of world are our great-grandchildren going to grow up in someday? You know? Exactly. What is it going to be like? Everyone's, you know, everyone sits there and says, you know, I'm so, I was talking to a friend the other day, and they said, you know, I'm just so ready for this lifetime to be over. You know, and it's like, I'm not. I I want to get, if, if there's any vampires out there, you know, free lunch. You know, you want to set up a buffet, cool, because, you know, turn me, I I want to live forever. I would love to be someone who just was able to sit back and watch the progression of everything, the cause and effect, the chain of events, you know, all of it. I I would love to see what happens, and, you know, especially because I, I think that what's going on right now just flabbergasts me so much because it is such a huge step backwards in modern thinking. And I'm not talking about right wing, left wing, Republican, Democrat, anything like that, because I'm an independent. You know, I I vote on who I believe in, you know. And I don't get right. into the whole gang war, which it is, it's a gang war. 
you know. Well, well that's just it. We, we have got this new mentality that says, oh, look, it's us against them. And it's not like you can sit there and say, well, you know, we don't have to go crazy about our borders, but having a little more security there may not be a bad idea. And why not let a woman decide what to do with her body? And no, it's a perfect compromise. No. But you know what it's, you know what it is, honestly? It isn't. It's either all or nothing from both of these sides. That's just what, it. You're politics, all in with us or you're all in with them. And no, that's yeah, not right. And, and what happens, there's a reason it's that way. There's a reason it's that way. Because what is the very first thing an invader does when it goes into a country? Oh, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer, absolutely. So what do they do to the American public by having their parties? They divide and conquer and put neighbor against neighbor by what side you're on. It's how politics makes the American person weak is by dividing well, us, you know, and making well, us it's like a gang where we blindly do what our parties tell us to do, and we can't do that anymore. The era of having political parties is over, and now we just need to have a government that's – I mean, it's, it would force – it would so force honesty onto the government because you couldn't hide behind that skirt tail of your party anymore. You know, you're going to be scrutinized for what you say and what you do, period, and there's no blind loyalty. You know, you have to prove yourself a servant to your country in order to serve in an office for this country. I think that's, you know, they they divide us, and it's so simple to me. He said, she said, the truth lies in the middle. It's so simple to me that that's what these parties do, is they divide us as a people, and in dividing, then politics conquer us. I'm done. Exactly. But then you have to also reach the point of recognizing this. We as people have got to stop accepting the song and dance, the smoke and mirrors, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain nonsense. We have got to start looking at these people and not judging them on their rhetoric or their routine or their speeches or the image that they project, but on their actual records. Mm -hmm. How did they vote? Where did they stand exactly? Who were they affiliated with and why? Yeah. And it can no longer be one-sided. You cannot look at someone and listen. You hear it from the talking heads on these political talk shows all the time. Conservative or liberal doesn't matter. Well, he said something different when he was with this group. Oh, well, he had to say something different with that group to get the vote so he can get in office and do what we want him to do. What makes either side of that argument not understand? He's probably lying to both of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and they don't. They'll they'll come up with excuses why our guy is the right guy. No, he's not. If he's talking about our children, he's already, as far as I'm concerned, a waste. Let's hope our children are smart enough to fix this mess we're making. You know, that's our Um, that's our only real hope. So that's about it. (laughs) Unfortunately, that is about it. (laughs) Hey, kid, Dad screwed up. You want to bail me out of the truck? That's a shame, ain't it? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. You know, oh my God! Well, hopefully our children are far smarter than we are. Yeah, exactly. All right, my darling, tell everyone how to find you. Well, you can find me on Nyla's Speakeasy Cafe, uh, World Poetry Open Mic. Uh, you can find me on the Epiphany Radio programs, uh, Inspiration Factory, on uh, Sunday nights. And on Monday nights on uh, Poetry in the Wall, I'm in the 
Garden of Poetry and Prose. I'm in the Outlaw Poetry Group, uh, which was actually founded by Philip Kent Church. And uh, I'm in my own little group called Friends of Words, Wisdom, Wonder, and Wit. Perfect. All right, sweetheart. It was awesome. If you want to read again, um, just press 1 and press 1. I'll put you right back in the lineup. I am having some real bad issues with the phone lines tonight. I've only got uh, three lines open right now. Wow. And they're working on getting the other ones done. The chat room is totally messed up right now as well. I don't know if you guys are trying to get in the chat room. If you're trying to call in, just keep trying. All right, it'll let you in eventually. Same thing with the chat room. Just keep poking it with a stick, and, you know, it will (laughs) open for you eventually, hopefully as well. All righty. All righty. On to the next. All right, sweetie. (laughs) We'll talk to you in a little bit, honey. And I may just pull you back on. If you're still online, I may just pull you back on um, if if I can't get the calls on, okay? Okay. Awesome. All right. Our next caller comes from area code 919. 919, you're on the air. Hey, how you doing, sweetheart? I'm doing great, doing great. It is very good to hear from you. Likewise, likewise. We give thanks for another Thursday night. Granville Hedginton in the house. And we are quite glad you are here, my dear. Likewise, my love, likewise. Now, let me see what I'm going to deliver for you tonight. Okay. I'm going to give you this one. It's called Tribute to Hip Hop. So now it's called Hip Hop, once called Rap. But it's cool like that. It's cool like that. For it's like this, uh uh-huh. And it's like that, uh uh-huh. And it goes on and on and on and on. And it don't stop. No, it won't stop. Coming from way back, it's a music. Our music. Our voices on the mic. It's what black folk does on Saturday night. The music kept us above our struggles and troubles. So blessed. With the gift of gab, we used what we had. I can call a lot of names, but I could not call all the names. Many, but not most, would get a shout out. They are too numerous to mention. For they who blazed the trails, they did not get the Benjamin. But they left a strength to their people, a legacy, and now the rest is history. For when I saw one DMC on MTV, I knew that the black man had broken through. For we had a stage, and we loved the mic. And when we rock the mic, we rock the mic right. Music is in 
the DNA of every human being. And we are generally a nation of artists of every kind. I can call a name like Grandmaster Flash, but I tell you, Beethoven, he was black. So the music is coming from way back. And it's like this, uh-huh. And it's like that, uh-huh. And it goes on and on and on and on. And it don't stop. No, it won't stop. For the trumpet sounded and the Lord appeared in the kingdom of God. Music is there. And it goes on and on and on and on. And it don't stop. No, it won't stop. And now this is a multi-billion dollar business. And all I got to say is, whoop, there it is. Thank you very much. Gravely in the house. Check me <laughs> out. <laughs> Can you do the whoop part again for me? Whoop, there it is. <laughs> Oh, that 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 was worth paying money to hear. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. Uh, so, Granville, we are much. having problems with the phone lines. Did you want to read a second one tonight? Okay, I will. I will. I will read a second one. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me think about which one I will. I'm gonna read. Okay, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read uh, the Lions then. For all the husband and wives. And lovers, this is, this one goes out especially to the women. It, it's a poem about the male perspective in a relationship, pretty much. The lion's den. I need peace. A woman must bring me peace. For me, she must be easily endured. She must not be unnerved by my silence and have little fear for the dramatic. There is enough drama without my house. I do not want it within. I need peace and quiet. I must want to come home and not fear it. My abode must call out to me. It must beckon. My doors must yearn for my footsteps and the windows bow at my presence. Okay, that may be too much to hope for, but <laughs> I need peace. However brief, I need respite. 
my soul must have a place of rest. For after fighting the demons, as tomorrow I must fight them again. Not good to fight a battle on two fronts. From the battlefield to the battlefield, I think not. I need a lioness in the lion's den. For when the lion king comes home, sometimes he needs to be alone. He needs peace. It's jungle out there. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you here. Do you want me to be totally honest with you here? I, I ask nothing less. <laughs> the, first, the first time I heard you read that poem, I thought, well, that son of a bitch is asking a lot, isn't he? <laughs> That was, well, that, was my first, that was my first female reaction. And then I heard you read it a second time. And I've heard you read it several times now. And every time I hear it, you know, every every time that I heard it, I started to understand more and more what I was hearing. You know, and I actually truly love that poem. I love the honesty in that poem. I love the lesson for women in that poem. You know, I told you a long time ago, I wasn't raised in a religious family, but my neighbor took us to uh, Bible school one year, and I re- they were reading Proverbs, and my favorite Proverbs, that it just stuck in my head was, it's better to live on the corner of a roof than with a quarrelsome wife. And I remember that verse, and it stuck with me my whole life. So every time I would think about getting in a fight, I would ask myself, is being right or winning this fight worth the damage it may cause, you know? And I would pick mm-hmm. my fight. So if I did get mad, someone would know that, that you know, okay, this is that's kind of maybe a Taurus thing. I don't know. But, you know, this is going to be a good fight because, you know, she's not going to back down. If she, if she believes strongly enough to fight about something, then it's something she believes strongly enough in. But there's so many things you know, that just aren't worth the fight. And and that's been a lesson to me my entire life about what kind of a woman I want to be, you know. And if you, I told, I told in a poem one time I wrote that, you know, when you walk over that threshold, I, I'm trying to remember what I wrote, but it was something like, when you walk over that threshold, I will stay on the porch. I will slay your demons that try to get in. I will slay them, everyone. You know, which is exactly what you're talking about, you know, being able to walk away from the battle and come into this place where it's peace, where you can exhale, you know. And a woman, I I tell people all the time that we have more control over our reality than we will admit because if we admit it, we have to take responsibility for it, you know. And the home that you personally create inside when outside that door, you have to face the world, but you, the reality you create for yourself in your own home is yours, and it can be anything that you want, you know. 
And if you create a place where your partner longs to return to, there is nothing in the world more powerful than that. You know, I always said that, you know, if you can make a man feel 10 feet tall and bulletproof, there's nothing in the world he would not give back to you. You know, and that yeah. in, in that sentence, both parties, both male and female, are fed what they need. You know, we have to admit our humanity, you know. If Very you make a, a man feel 10 feet tall and bulletproof, he will give you anything in the world. And that feeds Maybe. both of our human needs as yeah. our perspective. Each other up, you know? It's about building each other up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I, you, you know, the, the line in there, I need a lioness. You're not asking for a subservient woman. Mm-hmm. You know, you're so, not asking for someone to bow down and, you know, you're, you're, you're asking. I love that you put that in there. You know, you want someone strong enough to be that well, kind of a woman yeah. because that does take strength. Yes, yes, yes. Be, being, be, being, being resilient takes strength and courage and 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 admitting admitting your 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 limitations and you know it being be honest with yourself and 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 being honest with yourself is the way it would because do you record these shows Nyla? exactly what's that do you record these shows i is, i can't understand what you're saying hon i said are you, are these shows being recorded yeah well, well, let me tell you something, right? If you go mm-hmm. back to to a couple of shows, when I read this poem, I assure you that you said absolutely the same thing that you just said tonight. I swear to you. <laughs> Lady, you are, you, are, you are being totally, totally, totally honest. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the same statement you made tonight for the last couple of minutes there, as I listen to you, mm-hmm. that that is the same statement you made before when I read this poem. You know, you tell me all about your family and the religious stuff, and and the poem that you wrote. You know, well, so see, that's, I, how, I, I that, know re- that's how it provokes me. It provokes that. You know, obviously, it provokes that same thought process both times. So that's very powerful. That's a good kudo for your words. I, exactly, and and that's what both. I'm very honored and really, really feel feel like uh what I'm doing is worth it because I can remember the first the first time I did this poem at one of my shows, a lady came up to me and she said, Had I heard this poem before, my husband and I would have still been together. Yeah. You know? And that seems so strong to me that when she tell me that. You know, it makes me feel <laughs> like Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, that, that that's 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 why I do what I do for to impact people like positively you know so you know the, so like, the, it goes along yeah. with another line that i wrote in a poem one time and it just you know women i piss women off a lot because i believe i i believe as a third generation feminist i believe my greatest power is in being female my biggest strength is being female and there's a line in a poem that I wrote that pisses girls off all the time because they don't understand that, and it's women quit cutting the balls off your man. A lion isn't a lion if he eats from your hand. Yep, I love that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and you know that, that's very yeah, yeah that's very strong, you know, 
because because a lot of a lot, I mean I you know, a lot of women does that because that's been the mentality, and I guess it's because of the 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 oppression of women had been oppressed too. You know, women have been oppressed mm-hmm. by men, so they find themselves, you know, pushing back. And sometimes, they, you know, they push uh, and they fight when they shouldn't be fighting. You know, just because of, I mean, woman, woman has been the most oppressed entity on the face of the earth. You know, woman had been always been, been the next. I can remember being born and I can remember, woman ain't supposed to do this. Woman ain't supposed to do that. And I just said, well, who make up all these rules? Mm-hmm. You know, give the girl a try. Let me see if she could do it. You know, and and all these telling people like this mental slavery, actually. You know, tell telling you telling you <laughs> what you can do before you try. You know, not encouraging. You know, I mean, you know, is that's why you what you're saying is right because because a female, you know, and like you say, you you your greatest strength. In, and there's a lot of look. I tell people. I tell people, women, women are the stronger of the species. Certainly not the, not the lesser or the weaker. That I know for a fact, and may read it in the book. Um, I just learned to judge honestly and fairly in life because I know if I want to build a house, I have to build it on, on, on a firm foundation. And no mm-hmm. foundation more firm than, than truth. So, I decided a long time ago that everything I know I know honesty was was the gateway to, to strength. You know, exactly. I gotta say everything yeah, to say everything for what it is and judge it for what it is, despite how I feel about it. I to put my feeling aside for honesty. I to put my feeling aside for the truth. You know, and I, that's how I, I've lived and maybe that's why I write how I write. You know, because I have that that, that natural truth and yeah, and I want to impact people like positively, and and I'm honored. I'm, I feel I feel so good, Nyla, to hear you say what you say for, for probably the second or the third time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 it, you know, it it it's empowering, and let the people know that they can download my work on on most mediums, uh, iTunes. Spotify, most places where you where you download work and and stream. Yeah, I'm going to be uploading some more work because I don't think I, the, the two poems I wrote tonight they are not up there as yet. So I'm going to be putting up some more within a week. Awesome. All right, Han, great job and great sharing tonight, and we will talk to you next week. Yes, my dear. <laughs> you have a great cool. night, yourself. You too. Thank you, hon. Bye-bye. All right. Our next caller comes from area code 256. 256, you're on the air. Hello, Nyla. Hello. Pardon me? (laughs) I'm back again. You are back again. How are you, sweetie? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It is good to hear from you. This is Stan again. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you goodness. hung up and called back in. I looked and I thought he hung up and it's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? <laughs> yep. Gone. I did that. I did that. So what would you like to read again, my dear? 
I'm debating on whether to go with something light or something heavy. You know what? I'm just going to go with something light. <laughs> you know, nothing too heavy tonight. I already went too heavy. I'm just going to go light now. Yeah, this is damn neat coffee. Awake, sort of. Sort of a, a writer's lament. Eyes try to focus. The screen seems small. What the hell is that? Did I just write y'all? Time to try and focus. Not not so blurry. Y'all? Guess my muse of mischief woke up a bit early. Gather thoughts and feelings, my penned soul on display. Is this really me or just a tired cliche? Checking content and context. Make sure y'all fits. Y'all fits? Damn, brain, wake your ass up. I'm about to get pissed. I write to try to speak to others when you're all's mischief are away. But am I speaking just to speak or rally have something to say? Rally? Really? Sorry, y'all. More coffee. <laughs> y'all? Not shit. In peace. <laughs> so, so tell me what was going on right prior to you picking up the pen and writing that. What prompted that piece? Another poem. And like I said, it was like the wee hours of the morning. I'd been working on this thing for a while. And my mind just kept slipping a groove, as you will, and typo here, a mistake there. I'd miss a word here. I put something somewhere that had no business being there. And I realized that that's what it was. I was dog tired. That's all it was. And I, like I said, my eyes were trying to focus. You know, the screen seemed to be so damn small then. Yeah, it was a chore. And it was one thing after another. You know, it's sort of like the, the what I call the quicksand syndrome. The more you struggle, the deeper you sink. Well, that's what it was. I was struggling and just sinking deeper. So I finally just pushed the paper away, got a cup of coffee, sat down, drank it, and then I thought about what I'd just been through, and I thought, you know what? I bet you I'm not the only one that's had one of these late night, early morning times when you, you have an idea of what you want to do, but it's just not quite coming together. I absolutely love it. I always like knowing where things come from, especially something that's fun and different, and you can tell when they're reading it um, that they had fun doing it. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of sass there behind it. <laughs> yeah, that was, to be honest with you, that was a very early on piece. That thing's about three years old. That's when I actually was just beginning to actually get the idea of what what poetry was about and what I could actually do. I could do all sorts of crazy things with poetry. Aha! You know, like I said, the kid let loose in a candy store with no restrictions. All right, my dear. 
I just got to, you know how you're sitting there talking and all of a sudden something flashes and your your brain is just stolen. That just happened to me. I was totally there listening to you and it just, a thing popped up saying, please be patient. We are working on tech issues. Just flashed over across the board and, and you lost me. I was gone. Sorry. Poof. <laughs> who, who knows where I just went? That's okay. You're back. I'm here now. <laughs> I'm glad you were carrying the show there for a minute, you know. <laughs> That's quite all right. Uh, all right, sweetheart, do me a favor. Do you want to actually do you want to hang out with me for a little bit? You in a sure, hurry? Do you got anywhere to go? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> I'm here okay. for the evening. All right, let's go ahead and bring on 832. 832, you're on the air. Good evening. Hey, sweetheart. This is Amelia T. Davis calling out of Houston, Texas. It is good to hear from you, Amelia. Thank you. What did you say? How are you, Amelia? I am fabulous. Thank you for asking. Of course you are. (laughs) I don't think I can have children anymore. (laughs) Aren't you silly today? (laughs) I am. I am silly. Well, I had a fabulous 4th of July. Badrew came over and we had barbecue and it was just a wonderful family event. Anyway, uh, I brought you... A piece is called GQ, you know, like GQ magazine. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. GQ. He stepped out of my poetry into reality. Everything a king is, in every sense of the word, he walks a righteous path, helping his fellow man. Brokenhearted in the past, for others didn't see his worth. Chiseled features, exquisite to gaze upon, leaving you thinking, is he modeling for GQ? Intellectual, his mind far above the rest, an expert chess player. His heart made of gold, tender and sweet. His presence commands attention as he walks life's path. Sorrow in his eyes betray the pain that resides deep within. A promise of joy about to be fulfilled, bringing butterflies of happiness. It's summer, and love is in the air. And peace, musings of Amelia T. Davis. Stan, would you like to comment first? That was lovely. I like that. Stepped out of her poem. I like that. Ah, thank you, sir. <laughs> Oh, yeah. that is so southern. <laughs> well, that was Emma. mighty, mighty sweet sounding to you there, Missy. <laughs> I, I've been here so long. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, I'm evolving into a southern woman. <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's been 17 years going on 18 now, so 
in case you didn't know, Stan, I'm originally from San Francisco, California. I spent the first 39 years of my life there, and and I've been now in Houston 17. So. Oh, my God. I spent the first 36 years of my life in California, started in Long Beach. My uncle uh, lived in uh, Burbank and Saugus areas, so I visited Southern uh, California quite often. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's an amazing mindset there. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> it, yeah, well, the the mentality in California, California is totally different than that in Houston and of the South. So I, I've had a, a really uh, rude awakening to, um, you know, the Southern traditions and mentality. So, yeah, I understand completely. So, Nyla, what did you think, darling? I thought it was beautiful, as always. I wanted to find out because um, we are having issues with phone lines. If you had a second one you want to read? Oh, Okay, yeah, sure. I will pull something up. Um, hmm. uh, okay, uh, this is called Queen. I was asked to write on what it means to be a queen. This is my response. A queen is regal indeed, strong yet kind. A queen knows her own worth, allowing no one to bring her down. A queen stands straight and tall, no matter her size. A queen has a heart of gold, but never allows anyone to push her buttons. A queen is intelligent and wise. A queen doesn't stab others in the back. She talks things out so they may be resolved. A queen is positive in all her ways, bringing light to guide the way. A queen is beautiful inside and out, bringing joy to all she touches. A queen doesn't spread gossip, raising higher than that. A queen brings love to the masses. A queen's dress is eloquent indeed. No many skirts or short shorts. A queen can romance you to the core with her delightfulness. A queen doesn't envy or boast, always ready to lend a helping hand and never looking down on folks with less. A queen wears her crown through all life's challenges, always taking the higher ground. A queen's voice should be soft and sweet, never harsh or brash. A queen knows her worth and never accepts less. A queen loves God and allows him to guide her in life. A queen doesn't allow Tom, Dick, or Harry into her golden gates. She is selective, awaiting the king. A queen stays true to her king, never strained to other kingdoms. A queen will not fail. She will fall, but never break. She pulls herself up, rebuilding stronger than before. A queen's skin color has no bearing. She shines no matter her tone. That is what a queen is to me. And peace. Musings of Amelia T. Davis. Dan? I've got to tell you, that was a wonderful, 
wonderful poem. I like that. Uh, the whole idea of this being someone who carries themselves with dignity and with grace. Like you said, I like that. Thank you. I, I so appreciate you know. that. Now, see, that, that to me falls in line with something I was taught very young, <laughs> you know, is that all women are ladies until the lady decides to show otherwise. Ah, that is deep and oh so correct. I like that. That that to me is a definition of a of truly of a woman. That you know, it it it's not about the the showing or or the the facade of it. It's actually living your life through your heart, through your soul. I love that. That is a queen. Ah, thank you. Beautiful, right, sweetheart. Thank you, ma'am. You're I welcome, Missy. Let's go get our our cow cowboy boots and hat and we'll ride off into the sunset (laughs) 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 anyway I love you you know that Um, continue successes and enjoy your your up and coming vacation and um, see you on the other side of it thank you sweetheart we'll be here live next week it'll be the weekend or the weeks of the 19th and the 26th we have uh, Philip Church doing one of the uh, workshops, and uh, I think Emily Viewing will be doing the other one if we can get that done. Otherwise, I may be doing that one, or we can have Sage Cohen. We can uh, we got a couple of um, different options that we can use. So, but Love next week we will stand. be live. Love you, Stan. Be blessed. Okay, Nyla. Thank All you. Right, Thank I'm gonna you. go sit on the couch now. All right. Bye-bye, hon. Goodbye, Amelia. That's All such right, a lovely Dan. Lady. She is. Let's go ahead and bring, yeah, I really have fun with her. Let's go ahead and bring Eric back on again. He wanted to read. Eric, are you back with us? <laughs> yes, I'm back with you, Nyla. Stan? Hey, Eric. Hey, Stan. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm well, like you said. <laughs> You've been through it now it's poetry time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Precisely. All right. Well, uh, I have I have two pieces, but I think I can only read one, right? Or do I need to? Um, go ahead. Read. I, read one, and I'll I'll decide from there. Okay. It just All depends right. This we is get, the one. If I can get this line done. Okay. Well, this is the one you don't want to hear, Nyla, but. I decided I'm going to read it. I'm going to I'm going to provoke you. Do what you want. That's right, you do. <laughs> uh, I'm just being honry. But anyways, it's called uh, "Won't You Be My Dom, Madame." So, won't you be my Dom, Madame? He said, "Won't you be my my sub?" She said that. She is already a sub for her master, and that a slave may not serve two masters. He said, all righty then. Then won't you make me 
won't you be my master and I'll be your slave? She said, I would only hurt you. He said, I thought that body dominatrix sadomasochism was all about hurting one another, watching another hurting themselves for pleasurable pains. She said, of course it is a mixture of pleasurable pain that most think to be more painful than pleasurable and that what we do is taboo to them because they don't understand what we do to them. We are sexual deviants of slave and masters. They do not understand the roles of either one or the complexity of them. He said, well, if that is the case, then why won't you be my dom and I will be your sub, as most that practice does call it. She said, well, I guess so, since you are so persistent about it. He said, thanks so much, dom, madam. And may we go play now? She said, yes, we may, but you must be initiated first. My little slaveling sub, he said, oh, hell yeah. Can't wait to be initiated and branded as your play toy, sexual slave, and whatever else you have in mind for me. She said, all righty then, let us begin now. That's in peace. <laughs> See, it wasn't so yeah, horrible. Sam, you want to go on that one? Eric? Yep. Is there something you're not telling us? <laughs> I'm part of a dominatrix underground club, man. Unfortunately, it's in my head, so. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, really. I mean, that to me was a good, pretty good, straightforward piece. Kind of a good dialogue, if you will, that one might expect to hear between two people exploring that possibility. So, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that piece. Yeah. Well, thank you, Stan. I appreciate it. Go ahead, Nyla. <laughs> I, I think he said it all. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> hey, you didn't press the mute button, so that's a good thing. <laughs> no, you didn't get too graphic. You were fine. Uh, I told you that one day I told you that a friend of mine, she writes erotic. It's more sensual erotic, but it's a mm-hmm. debate on what's what's pornographic and what's not. But anyways, she told me or she showed me in one of her poems that in her eyes, in erotica, that you need to leave some things to the reader and not get into, as you say, uh, or hang on, how do I say it? Oh, instructional pornography, like you say every day, every night on the show, not Mm -hmm. to read it. So she said that I needed to do that. And so when I was, when I came up with this piece, I was like, oh, okay. And then, so I left some things to the reader, but I just wanted to make people aware of BDS. They've also looked into it as well. It's very complex. Uh, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm indifferent about it, but I thought it was interesting to write my first erotica poem. I've written pornography, but I can't read it on your you show, know, though. I, I write <laughs> erotica. 
and my erotica yeah. is probably a pretty good limit of what the show would be able to handle because you know i believe erotica to me when i talk about erotica erotica is that place your mind goes okay and it it has to serve a purpose you know it's it's that it's it's taking the brain it's be, with words being able to take that brain where you are at the teeter but you don't spill over the edge okay <clears throat> Right. When you when you drop over that edge, then that's when things turn into, you know, just words for stimulation. And there's a difference, you know. I could play. Do you guys want to hear one of my erotica pieces? Yeah. As an example, because we have no other callers on right now but us, um, yes, because please. people can't get in. Because we have lots of people listening, so guys, if you're trying to get in, just keep poking the number with a stick, 646-595-3965, alrighty? So when I talk about erotica and, um, you know, being able to take something, uh, you know, being able to use, write strong erotica, you can tell this is very uncomfortable for me, right, guys? Okay, so to be able to write strong erotica (laughs) and make it that, that, fine line between something that's going to to me it's the body parts that's why I say no tab I don't need to know that the dick goes there okay you know I don't <laughs> need to know that there are lips on the nipple okay I get it that's part of the sex act I understand what the physical is but I want you to put me somewhere mentally so it's the mental it's the mind fuck it's the the, the place that your head goes you know the foreplay <laughs> to me that's what true erotica is and then there's the word porn you know, which is stimulating writing, and that's exactly what it's for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like watching a porn movie. You watch it to be stimulated. Because um, trust me, you are not watching those for the stories. Not that I would know. Anyway, so I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing with you. So this is, and this poem, when I wrote this, this was actually, it's really kind of funny, because this poem, even though most people consider it an erotica piece, isn't even about that. It's about, uh, I had a girlfriend tell me that she was thinking about cheating on her boyfriend. And it's like, you know, or not boyfriend, husband. And it's like, why? And and it was because, you know, well, this guy, you know, he talks to me like this. And, and, and it's going to, you know, he wants to do this, this, and this. And that's something I've always wanted. And, you know, me and blank never have a love life like that. And I said, well, mm-hmm. have you ever told him you wanted that? No, he would think I was so weird. I couldn't tell him that. You know, and for me... <laughs> That was so sad because here was this guy she'd been married to for 10 years. But for 10 years, she did not have the guts to tell this guy what she wanted. And because their marriage was falling apart, because she didn't open up her mouth and say, I want this. You know? And so here this poor guy is going to get blindsided while she runs off with this guy who, you know, was brave enough to open his mouth, or you'll you'll understand. So I want you to keep that in mind when you're listening to this piece, that it's not about, it's not erotica piece. It's about the communication between sexes when it comes to sex. So I have to find it really quick. But nobody ever hears the true story. They just hear the pornography or the, the, the erotica in it. But anyway, so, yeah, this is, this is confession. Yeah. If a man doesn't know what a woman wants, where does the fault lie? Does it lie with him 
for not stopping long enough to see inside her? Or is the fault hers for never having the courage to open her mouth and say what she really wants? Confession by Nyla Alicia There's a fire that consumes me. A frenzy crawling under my skin. Hands covering eyes in a self-preserving disguise. Peering out between fingers that cage, holding back this passionate rage. Fighting a constant battle within, my control begging not to win. Teeth clenched tight in the fight to hold back unretractable claws. Fearing what the mind dreams. Sanguinary visions of the forbidden. Bloodlust held in check only by the morals of my own prison. Desires that skull fuck my mind. Longing to break free, to step out and beyond these ideals that mockingly bind me. To unleash this salacious creature I hide inside. Hair pulling, teeth biting, ungoverned deliriousness driving me carnivorously insane. My soul longing to carve out crimson your name leaving tongue lashes to lick wicked at the warm gashes the tangy iron taste slowly drips oh, like candy to my lips cravings contort this maddening thirst to consume you without mercy oh, wantonly taken wickedly unrehearsed Nails dig into skin, holding back the dark confession of my own deviant possession. The growling grows louder to unleash hungry screams against burning flesh. To let loose these torturous secrets, pounding lustfully within my breast, masked depravity running rampant, and nothing can save you. But my own will, now as frail as a ribbon. The ladylike ties that bind me to this proper prison. My lascivious will, chewing away at my innocence, imploring to be taken and led astray from the plight confines of my girl next door smile. I feel you already sweating. Taste the expression on your face as I start revealing all that sits trembling on the tip of my tongue while you watch my proper upbringing coming fiercely undone. What would you think if I were caught if you knew these thoughts coursing through this pretty little head. Oh, Lord, help me. I want to fuck you two inches from dead. 
You heard what I said. I will be your lady. I will make you proud. Everywhere, I will make you proud. Let me loose on you in our bed. example of what erotica is. That's, you know, being able to push something to a point, but without ever having to get into the physical graphics. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Did we lose you, Stan? No. No, actually, that does. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, because it was, it was very sensuously done. But like you said, it wasn't, you know, tab A into slot B or, you know, it did not have to be descriptive like that at all. You still got the idea, the content, and the context of what was being said. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we have another caller, Mr. Eric, so we are going to say goodbye to you for now. Do you want to tell everyone again how to find you? All right. Yes, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, Eric Nelson, Manly Shellman. Find me on YouTube, Eric Nelson, Manly Shellman. You can find me on Facebook, like page, poet Eric Nelson, Manly Shellman. You can find me on Palm Hunter. It's uh, Eric Nelson, Manly Shellman. And that's it. Very cool. All right, sweetie, and we will talk to you next week. Yeah, more than likely, yes. Awesome. Have a good All night, right, Stan and Nyla. You too. You Thanks, too, Stan. Bye. Thank you, Stan. All right. I want to let area code 585 know that you are not in the lineup. 585, if you want to come on the air, please press 1. If you're here just listening, appreciate you being here and uh, enjoy the show. If you change your mind at any time, press 1, and that will uh, put you in the lineup, and I'll know to bring you on. Okay, and that was 585. Our next caller comes from area code 562. 562, you're on the air. Uh, good evening, uh, Nyla. This is uh, Samuel Rain again. Hey, Samuel. How are you doing, sweetheart? I, I, I'm doing great. Uh, what I did was I pressed one, and then it told me I was in, and you said you had no caller, so I took myself out and pressed one again, and here I am. So maybe I didn't use, your, The say. board wasn't even showing your number before I had no clue you were on. So taking oh, okay. yourself out, putting yourself back in must have made you visible to me all of a sudden. So welcome to the show. I'm glad you did that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so uh, I have been listening for a while. So I'm here, and I'm going to share something else from the Dark Man Blues series for you. Okay. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. From Freedom, I Struggled. Birthed in a land far from my heart, no longer native sun, my soul dimmed into dark places. Mapped bodies chained across seas, death be my struggle, nightmares my dreams. I see home when the next ship comes, welcome 
to Jamestown. Now, present day, I'm in need of a price check to see where the value of my life is set. Noticing how I'm viewed these days, it was time to reevaluate the facts. Being the underlying truth had problems, some misunderstanding of what's really going down, lies and confusion, the environment flowing the content, having misinterpreted intentions. No longer will you benefit from my not knowing how much is that gorilla in the window. I'm Sam Lane. I love that title. Wow. That last line was amazing. Stan, go ahead. <laughs> oh, that last line killed. I'm telling you. That was great. No, that's... Sorry about that. <laughs> I got somebody out here who's got a V8 and wants everybody to know it. <laughs> Anyhow, what I was saying was, like you said, the reevaluation. And like you said, you you can't fool me anymore. <laughs> you know? That's right. That's it. You know, I see the game. I see how it's played. And I realize you rewrite the rules as you go, but I still see the game and I see how it's played. I love that final line. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that that particular piece is in the next book that comes out in March. In the Dark Man Blues is a series. The first book is out. It's called If It Were Me. There's a limited edition copy that anyone can get if they like to email me, and I can tell them how to get that limited edition. Uh, and it's called The Other Side. It's a part of the series as well, but it will never be on uh, Amazon or at your local bookstore. It's a collector's uh, item. So it's a limited uh, amount of copies that will be available of um, Dark Man Blues. And, they, and people are calling it the gray edition because it has gray pages. And uh, But it, it's uh, uh, a little different, you know, but it's, like I said, it's a part of that series. And uh, the next book, like I said, comes out in March of 2019. And then the last book of the series comes out in March of 2021, along with some other stuff that I'd be putting out because I, I put out a lot of books. Good. That is great to hear. That is good, awesome, uh, Yeah. Thank you. Very welcome. All right. And what is your, Samuel, what is your, what was the Facebook page again? It's Samuel Rain. Uh, okay. You can find me under Samuel Rain on Facebook. And um, you'll see if you see my cover. Well, it's the Aries logo on my on my profile picture. But you know, I just came from the East Coast doing busboys and poets in New York and Myrtle Beach and all those other places I, that I, I visited. So um, you can follow me. Um, you can even Google me. So if you need to Google me, if you do Samuel Rain, then it'll tell you where I'm at. As far as Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those other things that people are trying to get me involved in. <laughs> awesome. All right, sweetheart. Now, I, I wanted to check. Did you want to read another one? Sure. I, I, I can go ahead and do that. I, I, I am working on uh, many of things, and uh, I'll share a poem from um, the book that's on Amazon, which is titled, if it were me, and, and this is titled My Next Book, which actually is a book title, which actually comes out June of 2019 as well. Okay, so check this out. 
she would read me, capturing my emotions as her, as if they were her own. The lines seemed to come together, exposing my hunger like questions. An open book on how I feel about passion, word playing the conversation. I could feel my imagination coming together like a puzzle, knowing she could be the answer. I'm thinking her pleasures becoming the title of my next book. My expressions became lyrical. The temptation brought provocation, had me whispering, may I please have a little bit. And that's from If It Were Me, Dark Man Blues. I love it. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome, huh? Yes, it was. And his read was excellent on that. And I love that pause. May I please? Have a little bit. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, that was excellent. <laughs> that was because that really just said it right there. You know, just man, a little bit, and then just bring that at the end of it. I love. Oh man, you've got the spoken word down. I'm telling you that now. Oh, well, well, I've had that discussion. Excellent. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, um, I mean, actually, people like my voice. You know, um, so I think that was. That was one of the things I was told that, that it was my voice, and I, I'm like, I don't know what they're listening to until I recorded myself, and I'm like, wow, I do sound good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I didn't believe it at first myself, but you know, but then the, the people were telling me that it was a voice, and and so I'm, I'm grateful that I have that. I practice that too, you know. So I tell people that if you practice, then you can be whatever you want, especially when you're reciting your poetry. You know how you want to do it, and you practice it, and then it becomes you. You know, yeah, so yeah, that's the greatest yeah, thing sure. about spoken word for me is it, it's great to read a poem, but when you have the poet reading their work, it really does give you a very direct view as to what their content and context and and concept was. You know, yeah. When anytime we put our words out there. They're subject to interpretation. People's other people's perceptions, their ideas. But when you do spoken word, it is so much more direct. It is directly from you. And I think well, it really does. I don't consider myself as a Okay, well I don't consider myself a spoken word artist. Um I can recite my work and I do it well, but I, I, I truly believe that I'm definitely a poet who oh, can no recite doubt. his work. Oh yeah. So so you know, there's some dope spoken word artists out there. I know some of them, like Written in Pain, he dope. You know, I got a chance to see him for the first time live and in living color. And wow. and uh, um and so that was uh that was an experience, you know, and I was looking forward to this trip that I took to the East Coast because I got a chance to see a, a lot of people that I only heard on blog talk. Yeah. So so that was That's great. Really so no, cool. I'm working hard. Yeah, I'm working hard to become a spoken word artist. I know uh, someone chuckled the other day when I told them that I wasn't, and they'd be like, yeah, who are you trying to fool? Like, <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, there's some dope spoken word artists out there. You know, I'm trying to get to that level. I, I really am, truly, you know, but I enjoy reading. You know, I, I was, I can hold I, it's it really funny that you brought up Written in Pain because, you know, he is, for me, he is the epitome of, and he's someone that I love very dearly. Um Seriously, seriously in love with that man. He's an incredible artist, and I've known him for a long time and got to see him grow as an artist, which has just been an incredible journey with my friend. 
Um, but one of the things that I tell him and what I, the comment I was going to give you, which makes this kind of ironic, is, you know, you're saying, you know, Stan said spoken word artist, and you said, no, your poetry reads his poems. And, and I was going to say you're both wrong because you're a performance poet. So there's a difference between someone, a poet who stands up and reads their poem is when I when I picture that, what I call a page poet, you know, those are the polite poetry societies that get together, and there's nothing wrong with this, but there are three distinct genres of reading your poems, guys. Okay, so the poetry society that, you know, adheres to the William Shatner uh, style of reading, I have a tuna fish can that rolled down the street and scared the cat. Okay, that's a that's page poetry. Yeah. You you are not that. A spoken word artist to me is almost like a street poet. You know, they get that 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 almost like a rap to it, but not quite. That's probably the yeah. wrong word. But there's a different, you know, someone who gets up there and they just get that rhythm going, you know, and it's it's just this delivery that can almost be set to music. You know, to me, that's a spoken word artist. A performance poet is someone who understands that when they are reading their words, that they are reenacting the emotion that they felt when they wrote it. And so you are, you know, you are basically the actor on the stage bringing your words to life. And that's definitely the way you deliver your work. You know, so I like and, that. and written in pain, Carlos, he is like, you know, the epitome of a performance poet, someone who can go from zero to Mach 10, you know, talking to you like a normal person, break into a poem and boom, he's got you by the, you know, by the balls right in the middle of his poem that and he's not letting you go till he's done. It's that it's that emotional reading, that emotional place that um, comes from it being a performance you know, you you're, you put your words on the stage of your tongue, and and they're right there. They dance, and I really think that that's more your style than either of the other two. You know, and that's just my opinion, of course. But you know, if you think of those three genres of poetry, you know, your your style was definitely or the three genres I like that. Of, of reading. Oh yeah, no. Poet um, reading. <laughs> That is a great analogy yeah. of, 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 of it. So I'm going to use that. So when they ask me, I'm going to tell them. <laughs> I'm a performance poet. Well, yeah, I'm a yeah. performance poet. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. You know, and it's so. and it's all a pre- it's, it's like someone who likes rock and roll, someone who likes, you know, contemporary, someone who likes country. You know, we all have our own voice. There's not a style that, you know, is greater than the other. We all have our own voice, and our poetry has its own voice, and that's how we, we deliver it, you know. It's just really interesting the way those voices come out, I think. Well, yeah, it, it's, also, it's also a part of, like, like you said, as part of the performance is sometimes you will take on a different persona depending on the poem. You know, it's like the difference mm-hmm. between if I read something like, Desire deterred. It's more of a uh, a straight English, uh, well articulated, no real accent or anything. Read to where if I do something like Damn Cupid, which is more southern based, mm-hmm. I'm going to have that bit of a drawl. I'm going to use that kind of words as well. So yeah, you do kind of assume the character. You really do, and you. Uh, 
You express your emotions beautifully. You really do. And like I said, your delivery and your cadence is just, it is. It's like she said, it's almost like a song. Well, I believe that it is music because it's, uh, it sounds good. And I, give, I try to give people thoughts with what I'm doing. So, and it works. Well, thank you. <laughs> Great job tonight. Do me a favor, sweetheart. Tell everyone how they can come find you. Well, you can find me on Facebook. And like I said, if you like what you heard, there are many books out there. You can just um, put me in a search at, at Amazon, Samuel Rain Benjamin, and then you'll see all my books. Or if you'd like to hit me up on Facebook, that's just Samuel Rain. And or you can Google me, and then you can find out all the places that I'm at. Very cool. All right, sweetheart. I hope you come back and share again next week. It was great having you here. Appreciate it. Well, I'm gonna I'm try to get there early this time. I want to be there at, at when the show starts at four. I want to be on it <laughs> for sure. <laughs> four. Where are you, where do you where are you? I'm on the west coast. Just oh, so then it's five maybe, o'clock, baby. Yeah. Oh, it's 5 o'clock. Oh, okay. Yeah, it starts five. at 5. Okay. Pacific Standard Time. Mm-hmm. I got you. I got mm-hmm. you. I'm, I'm marking it down now. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Oh, All right, hon. Great job, Excellent sweetheart. Excellent read. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Actually, have a piece by... Uh, written in pain that we're going to, a brand new one that he just sent me yesterday that we're going to be closing the show with tonight, so I'm going to be excited to play that. Okay. Yeah. Our next caller comes from area code 585. 585, you're on the air, I think. Hello, I'm here. Hello, here. Yes, this is Doug Curry. How are you? I'm doing awesome, Doug. How are you, sweetheart? Right, all right. I'm enjoying I just came in. Uh, I'm enjoying what I've heard and the discussion of the different types of poetry and poetry reading, and I find it all to be true. Um, there's some I write poetry to be read off the page, so I read it, and then it's a whole other story. If I read in front of the crowd, it's another story. But I wanted to be able to be understood and, and rendered off of the page, a contribution to the foregoing conversation. <laughs> Now, <laughs> it's not a poem. It's a. It's not a short story either. It's a brief story. Let's call it that. Called the flood. Hope I didn't read this here before. I don't think I did. The flood. I remember the day the earth was still. It rained that day. The rivers were swollen. The polar bear frolicked on the ice in the freezing, falling snow. The oceans rose. Tears of pain welled in mother's eyes with the fall. Tears of mirth and joy poured off the last high-keening note of a giddy laugh. Drops of rain hung suspended in flight. Were they caught falling from the sky, rolling off the petal of a lily, or bouncing off a hot asphalt pavement? It didn't matter. Everywhere the air was wet, pregnant with life's nectar. The world turned to wetness that day. Milk flowed from dusty, barren cows to the 
lighter than toddler's children of color. Their last taste of milk had come from mother. The blood of infidels and inquisitors, blacks and whites, Muslims and Jews, flowed as one down into the sewers to feed the rodents' hungry offspring. The last battle of the last war is done. A baby's gurgle hung in the air of the player's glee at her having received her first taste of honey from her daddy's finger. A sperm whale calf moved swiftly to one side in its first ever athletic maneuver, avoiding the peril of the great white shark's deadly jaw. In the whole world, thing that was not right. For once, what should be was. On the day the earth stood still, only the flood of all things wet moved against the harshness, the arrogance, the self-sustenance of the hard, the large, the fast, the tough, the unyielding. The day the earth stood still was in reality but a moment. It was our moment to realize the promise of what had always been. In that moment of wetness, I was swirling, driving down, twisting, circling in and out as a ladle turns cream into butter, winding deeper, deeper into and out of hot, yielding wetness of you. Embroiled in passion, we melted into this liquid state, hotter than lava, and with occasional eruptions, just as propulsive. And then there was a cooling, dewy concoction of our love and fervent labor that ran between us. It dripped. It formed puddles. It settled upon us, and we were thus mingled, and any distinction between your soul and mine was now washed clean away. From our salving, sloshing, soul-holding emotions, we emerged as one. We were from that moment more solid than ever before. The rain then fell. The blood coursed extravagantly within us, and was propelled by the excitement of young lovers, by young lovers and old everywhere. In our eyes, everywhere there was abundant life, promising forever that where there is he, she will be as well, and that for each pair of the world's lovers, one day too, the earth would stand still. And Wow. I love the metaphors in there. That was beautiful. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. That was really phenomenal. Wow. Go ahead, Stan. I'm sorry, honey. Uh, oh, no, no. Go ahead. This this is great. Hello? I appreciate you. Yes, I'm still with you. Wow. Did you want to read two tonight, Doug? Absolutely. I always want to read two. <laughs> oh, great. Because <laughs> I always great. want you to read two, too. Okay, well, today we have that chance. Look at that. Just for that, and just for catching me unaware, everybody, this is from me to Nyla. Everybody. This is called a blush. A flush is a crimson red thickness rushed from a palpitating heart coursing through engorged vessels that bring heat, causing steam, a shortness of breath, and a fluttering of eyelashes. A blush is annoying curiosity and aches in passion, anticipates a kiss, its only remedy and reward. I'm throwing roses at your feet. Can you see them? <laughs> Are you blushing? <laughs> That's all I want to know. <laughs> 
I'm throwing roses. Does that count? They're red. <laughs> I guess that's, that's a good enough reaction. <laughs> oh, that was incredible. That was, yeah, I liked it. That helps us get out of the dark because, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes sometimes I don't want to write about anything that everybody can't see for themselves, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I, mean I don't want to write about and that everyone can see for themselves. I'm going to get in the nooks and crannies, you know, but I kind of like pulling it out of there. So this predict- these days when I wrote these things, I just felt like, you know, the beauty of life is something that you need to celebrate, especially in a personal view, which is, which yeah. is the best kind. Exactly. All right, sweetheart. Absolutely fantastic job. Do me a favor and tell everyone how they can come over and show you some love. Absolutely. Well, um, my name again is Doug Curry, and I am uh, easily found on Facebook under my name, Doug Curry, or under the name of my radio program, which is called Blacks and Blues. Now, Blacks and Blues airs on Friday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time at WRUR.org. And that's for three hours. It also airs on Saturday night at 10 o'clock Central Time at WDCB.org. Also can be found on allpoetry.com, where I just had a poem placed in a contest, so I'm kind of happy about that. And, uh, yeah, I would love to, you know, meet some of the people that I hear here, outside of here. I would love to, you know, trade poetry, trade ideas, or just, you know, just buy. I really, that's part of the real reason why I like to be here, because of the personality and the depth of the artistry of some of the people that we find here. Mm-hmm. Very, very ready. well said. For the host, two hosts that we have tonight. Uh, you cut out there, honey. What'd you say? I said, I said, none the least of which would be our host for tonight, the two of you. Doing a very fine job. I enjoy it. Thank you, sweetheart. You're so awesome. We just love you so much. All right, glad to be here. All right, sweetheart, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, indeed, I'll be here. Awesome. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye, hon. All right, so we lost Stan. We'll see if he calls back in. Let's go ahead and bring area code two five six back on. Two five six, are you with us? I'm right here with you. I had a <laughs> connection set with the phone over here. Is that what happened? Yeah, it started fading in and out, and then it dropped. So I had to reboot everything and come back over. Uh, oh, I love technology. Well, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you're back. <laughs> so do you want to um, – I'm working on the board right now. I've got the text on. Do you want to read something else real quick, Stan? Yeah, this is a, a piece I wrote. It's called Fortune of War. Words of discord and anger increase, leaders and elders falling from peace. Fear and rage driven to action to stop an alleged evil faction. The call to war now all that is heard. A grizzled old warrior is given the word. So again he gears up, weapon in hand, to kill or be killed in defense of his land. Beside him many young warriors stand, their lives placed 
in fate's fickle hands. From sense of duty, faith their courage derived. To protect home, they bravely offer their lives. But the old warrior's eyes know the truth, sees doubt and fear in those eyes of youth. No soldier knows the strength of their metal until it's been tested in the forge of battle. The old warrior hardened through several wars, proof of his resolve, not in metals, but scars. To battle they now go, each to their fate, the enemy awaits through hell's warish gates. Blast worse than thunder, bullets whistles, chill hearts, the old warrior gets lower, knows this is only the start. Get down, eat dirt, the old warrior voice growls, heard over the blasts and the wounded howls. Stay low, when you shoot, aim true. With good aim, faith, and luck, you can make it through. So into the hell that is war, both young and old. How long was this battle? Many fallen turn cold. Wounded scream, shells sing, smell blood and smoke with each breath. The fallen bear witness with unblinking eyes. All around you, death. Smoke clears, the haze lifts. This battle now is done. What price in human life for this ground that's been won? Red streams from the young warrior. The true price made clear. When a young warrior's blood is joined by old warrior's tears. Gratitude and ceremonies. Flag draped coffins are received. While families and loved ones have great losses to grieve. What value in their loss if this madness doesn't end? What sense of our humanity if we let it start again? Give peace a chance. You give them a chance at a life renewed. The best way to show them and their families our love and gratitude and peace. Amazing. You know, you're like a you're like a third genre. A lot of your pieces are. You're a, you're a four actually a fourth genre of poetry and that's the storyteller, the prose reader. There's you know that and that's completely different than any of the other ones, you know, but when you read yeah. that piece, you know, when you read a lot of your poetry, it is a, a narrative um, style of poetry. And so it's almost like storytelling prose and we get, you know, drawn up into that and sucked up into it. And it's like, you know, all these kids sitting cross-legged on the floor with their eyes really wide, you know, just following word by word and you leading us wherever you want us to go. It's pretty cool. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, so I, I am. I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. Before, when, when I when I've written like short stories or even like flash fiction or something, you know, you tend to be telly. And that's when I decided, you know what? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's how I write. I basically am a, like a storytelling writer. That's an incredible talent to have. You know, and, you know, that's when I started writing things like Perspective and Journey to Ask and all these other little basically short pieces, which, which were not really poetry. They were more 
like you said, a narrative. Mm-hmm. And it works. You know, for me, this is what works. You know, I can do brevity, you know, but when I when I do get into a poem of some length, it usually does end up pretty much being a story. Mhm. And you are very a quite versatile writer too, which is really nice. You know, you you don't write in just one style. You can, you know, kind of let your you let your muses pull and tug you. Oh, and that's that's the thing. People ask me, well, how do you decide what form you're going to use? And the truth is, I'll get the idea of the poem and what I want to say, and I'll start writing it, and the form just pretty much comes into its own. It, it could be Tersorama. Ters it could be, uh, uh, you know, four-line four stanzas. It, it could end up free verse. I just don't know. It just depends mm-hmm. on how it flows. Exactly. Yeah, and I I think it's nice when we don't put those expectations on ourselves as a writer, you know, that yeah. I'm going to sit down. You know, if we're doing a form poetry and it's like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write, you know, like Philip's going to be talking about a sonnet. I'm going to sit down and write a sonnet. Um, you know, that's one thing. You know, but when you just you get an idea and you sit down with a pen and you're going to put it on paper real quick, you know, you have to just let your hand move, and it'll tell you what it wants to be in the end. Oh yes, yes, that's how I ended up with a couple of my poems. Ended up with three different poetic forms in them. You know, <laughs> into the one content because that's just how the flow of thought followed. Mhm. And I don't know why, it just did. <laughs> like I said, I've. I've I've written some things and then read them and gone, why did I do that? And still to this day don't know why it fell in that direction, but that's just how the, you know, that flow of thought went. I am very undisciplined. <laughs> I'll just put it to that. I'm very undisciplined. <laughs> Who wants to be disciplined? Well, evidently not me. <laughs> that's good. I like that. So let's play. I talked earlier. I can't get any callers. I can't get the board up right now. So we're going to play a track real quick. We've got about 33 minutes left in the show. I want to play this track, and then I'll probably play another one real quick, and then we'll come back and see uh, how the board's behaving. But this one is the one that was just sent to me by Carlos Rittenpain, who we spoke about a little bit earlier. And I'm excited because this is the first time I'm hearing it right along with you guys. So this is Table for Two by Rittenpain. Here we go. Love's losers often choose to abuse themselves. So our gorged on every fish of the sea, flavored with the spices of life's variety. So there was nothing left to ingest. How soon a man can die from a diet of flesh consumed. Lust is a drug rush. It hurt me to cold turkey, but now I was free to see she that found me worthy. If she would give me a shot, I'd swear I'd hang up that jersey. I mean, have you ever seen a woman before that made you feel as if you've never ever seen a woman before? I want to settle down. Won't you settle down with me? Settle down. We can settle at a table. A table for two. Won't you wine and dine with me? 
Love is a house, she be that permanent fixture. Love and light, she be that mixture, that elixir. I just wanna be the frame, the frame, her perfect picture. She be that deity to my destiny. Her face, that place of grace. Her mind elevated, her queendom celebrated. It was in her image God was created. Lost in her soul's windows, her skin glows. My heart, her kite string, wherever the wind blows, my soul grows. She be the next breath I needed. She be what I want wrapped in everything I've ever needed. This is what a love life looks like. In case you've never seen it. I wanna settle down. I wanna settle down. Won't you settle down with me? Settle down. We can settle at a table. A table for two. Won't you wine and dine with me? Down. I wanna raise a child. I wanna raise a child. Won't you raise a child with me? Raise a child. We'll call her Nebraska. Nebraska Jones. You have your nose. That I you know. She plants and sows the best parts of me, waters my daughters, quenching with unmentioned intention, she's out of this world, surpassing and outlasting this dimension, she be life's extension, this isn't settling, she be the stairway to heaven, I just want to bask in it, forever and a day will last in it, she be unquestionable love, no need in asking it, she be magic, whatever's wife material, she be that fabric, my cup runneth over, my table anointed, my heart broken until she joined it. Love is love. Follow the flow. I wanna settle. That was Table for Two by Carlos, written in pain. The next one I'm gonna play is Andrea Gibson, and it is called Truce. Here we go. I was little. My mother was a bank teller. I called her a fortune teller. She nicknamed me Pangea, not Pangea. I was never in one piece. The first time I called someone ugly, my heart had an ice cream headache for three weeks. Tell that to my future. Say the moon doesn't care to be a bully when it's full. I was running for myself on empty. Not much made sense, like the Russians didn't like us because they couldn't afford blue jeans. What I knew is that I wasn't killing spiders because I was scared of them. I was killing them because they were scared of me. You can have a cold war with yourself, even in the summertime. I watched the rocks get slapped by the sea. I knew the sea was made of the same stuff as tears that meant if you were hurting, you could understand the sharks, maybe carry them between your ears, maybe hear the word love and start running from the teeth. I was running around with a panic in my chest. The teacher said, silence is golden. I wanted to say silence is bronze at best. But I'd already time-capsuled my voice box, hoping someday I'd be either brave or scared enough to dig it out and open it all the way up. That's how I got here. 
In this old rocking chair, typing with my grandma's thimbles on my fingers, every poem is something being sewn. Every poem is me asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Years after, they told me I was already home. My love's feet were still not welcome on the welcome mat, but you never seen bridges that could arch like that. So we crossed the river to where the echo took us in. That's how I learned. Bouncing back is about being honest with the canyon. That's how I got the see-through skin, this glow-in-the-dark fear. This here's my shame on a silver plate. I know it's the one meal all of us share. I know how much time we spend sleeping beneath our beds because somebody told us that's where the monsters should hide. Y'all, everyone is going to pick a side on whether they're good or bad, whether you are kind or cruel. But what if the quickest route to loving ourselves is deciding it's all true, every bit of it? I was not a child. The last time I threw a full tantrum fit in the grocery store. I was not poor. The last time I stole someone's heart like it wasn't worth my change. I do not need air traffic control to tell me there have not been enough flights for me to lose all of my baggage. But I am learning to claim it at the same carousel where I am learning beating yourself up is never a fair fight. Only knocks the wind out of our chances to come clean to that canyon, to be exactly who we are, so we might become exactly who we want to be. So if our baggage is to run, we will one day learn to run like we sing, like someone took apart a cello to build our hamstrings. This is me running straight into your arms to tell you my skyscraper heart might still be afraid of heights. Your dark side might still be searching for its stars, but the acoustics are still amazing. And our meteor showers, the light will never be out of your league. You were the first one picked for your own team. Our underdog hearts are winning this game even when we're doing it all wrong, even when we're falling apart. Sometimes it takes a storm for the whole sea to start doing the wave. I know it took a storm for the message in the bottle to finally reach my shore, to teach me how to write my entire life using only the shift key to mess up, to bounce back back to let myself be the hinge that keeps opening the door to look you straight in the eye to tell you I didn't come here to write my heart out I came to write it in Civil War, who do you think they call upon to turn the ash back to brick? No, sir. You don't need chains to keep a man his place a few coins do you just fine. But when they promised us land for our work, we heard freedom. So we picked up spikes and shovels, followed that railroad wherever we were told to place it. Our job was to see the mountains of West Virginia as clay. Some of us died squinting so hard. Especially out there in the Big Bend Tunnel. We drove more than a mile deep into them hills. The only light we had was the one hitting our backs. That is, had not been for Mr. John Henry. With a hammer in his hands, John had arms like dynamite-tipped bullwhips, fireflies bursting across his kneecaps. His slams sounded like bullets coming fresh out of a revolver. <laughs> Hammerheads glowing like lanterns, so hot they melted the air a dark red, but John's voice was as holy as the blue breeze crawling up that tunnel to kiss our cheeks. Ain't no freedom in this work, brother. Freedom's when the clock runs out, when the only thing pushing against you is the wind, your daughter's hands or your lover's lips. John always liked to talk about Pollyann like that. 
truest woman I ever met. She used to always tease him, say he wasn't work hard enough. <laughs> but we knew she'd come down to the tracks wearing her finest blue dress just so she could watch the rain dripping off of his chest, John. The preacher of sweat. Sermon of crash. Whenever he saw one of us falling, his voice would ring out like church bells. Stand up, son! These rocks ain't shackles! Just a whole lot of dust that don't know how to part ways when it sees our footsteps. He even made Captain Tommy want to pick up a hammer. Skinny-armed white man, dog bark, throat, dog heart, yelling, Good God, Mr. Henry! Be careful now! What if them walls come caving in? Well, John just sing right back, I'll just lift this mountain with my hammer, Lord, Lord, crumble this here rock with my hand. In fact, the only time I heard John stop singing was when the steam drill come. His man, Mr. George, he called himself, sitting high and mighty on this soft, soft seat surrounded by all matter of levers and iron, sticking out like jail bars, machine bigger than most of our houses, and he stepped down, his skin pale, like I never learned how to sweat. He walked right up to Captain Tommy and said, I got me a machine here, twice as efficient as them lazy niggers you got driving steel. If you give me some money, you can send all the work donkeys home. I wanted to scrape my calluses against his silky skin, peel off the husk so he could feel what it's like to bleed. But John stepped between us and quietly said, I got a better idea. I never really heard of John being a gambling man, but when he said he needed a shaker, I was the first one to step forward. Now in the tunnel... Black dust clouds forming overhead. Every smack, pebbles and rock shards ripping by my ears into the air pocket of John's elbows. Every lift, his muscles swelled up. Blood glowing through his skin, the color of molten iron. I couldn't even see that steam engine. Shirts clocked shatter breathing down my neck. But John's voice rang out. Come on, shaker! Spin that steel! Steady hands now, brother! We got a steam drill to put to shame! He swung so hard and so fast that the sparks stuck to his hammer arc like lightning bolts when he pulled back. The sound of air splitting shot out down the tunnel like an echo of a storm against the valley. Blew Tommy's hat clean off, wrapped around Polly Ann's neck like a whisper. And I used to think that only God could make thunder. Now when it was all said and done, John had drilled two seven-foot tunnels, one with each arm, and that steam engine man only had one. Nine feet to off fourteen, but when John's veins had cooled off, his body hardened up. Hart couldn't find enough room to keep beating against the anvil of his chest with only the strength to whisper. He motioned over to Polly Ann and said, The hammer crash was my first taste of God, the shatter of rock, proof that our hands gave us a choice. I'm sorry for what I had to do. Polly Ann kissed his cheek, watched his eyes drag backwards. Mr. George would step over his body, pull out his purse and say, Well, machine's still for sale, Tommy, unless you've got another monster like John Henry just lying around. Well, Polly Ann leapt up screaming, Listen here, Mr. Business Suit, Mr. Fabric Arms and Shiny Fingernails. Last I checked, I got hands. Just like John Henry had hands. Just like every man or woman here got hands. And ain't no steam engine can brew a storm like the fury pouring out of these palms. And with one arm, she swung that 20-pound hammer over her head and slammed the steel back straight into that track. Good as any man. Blue dress whipping in the hurricane wind of her hips. Latin pouring out of her pupils. Mr. George just stared right back. Silent, like he could smell the rain coming. I have always absolutely loved that piece. Absolutely fantastic. How could you not love that piece? That was powerful. It was performance poetry. So that's what I wow. consider. It's almost like you're watching a little word movie. 
you know, just the, yeah. the emotion of performing it. All right, my dear, so we've got 20 minutes left. I do not have a board, so I cannot take any callers right now at the moment. Do you want to read one more piece, and then I'll just go ahead. You can uh, take off and relax if you want, and I'll just go ahead and close the show out with um, a couple tracks. Well, all right, I'll just go ahead and read one more here. Okay. And this is the one we were talking about. This is Damn Cupid, A Grouch's Love Lament. Here I sit, old and sore-jointed, sunk in my easy chair. Need a butt donut in the seat for my pincushioned derriere. That naked-ass little cherub pest, Cupid put me in this mess. Caught me back when I was young, coming into my best. I tell you, as a young man, in full passion of my youth, lean and mean and tight jeans, smoking hot. And that's the truth. So confident in my swagger, young you know, them young gals were smitten. Some looked like they could eat me up. Others looked as cute as kittens. Like Casanova and Don Juan, my romantic prowess full on display. Sweet talk to girls, baby, tonight I'm yours. But tomorrow, that's another day. So strutting I go, the town Lothario spotted her coils, her coy smile. As I passed by, could almost swear I heard a twang, turned and followed her, with no idea why. Now, I will say she was a looker, but not as endowed as Buxom Irene, nor had the hot hips, waist, and full lips of that saucy and sultry Marine. Not as sassy and sexy as Wild Mary, nor those hot, endless legs like June. But brown silk hair, southern sky, blue eyes, twang, damn. Felt like my heart swooned. I asked her her name. She said, I'm Betty. We arranged to meet the next day. My eyes locked on as she walked off. Swear she had such a sweet, sweet sachet. Hmm, hmm, hmm. We became a couple, as you probably guessed young in love and with all it infers. And if I thought of some dalliance, twang, my heart would only see her. Was shortly after that her and I wed and shared our all our love and our passion. First time in my life felt something more and beyond my set of sexual satisfaction. We held each other through good and bad, and conflicts, feared our love would end. Be it her eyes, sweet sachet, or damn Cupid, twang, deeper in love I'd fall again. After all these years, kids all grown, them and their kids come by now and then. Cupid's mischief, I thought a pain in my ass. Turns out he was far more like a friend. Now I'm old, not the cock of the walk, aching ass and joints, sedentary in my ways, just pitching a bitch about lost youth and the memories of my much younger days. Betty understands, touches my shoulders, says, Papa, it's bedtime, let's call it a day. Groaning, I rise and slowly 
follow behind, watching my Betty as she leads the way. She looks back, smiling with southern sky blue eyes, watching her walk, and was surprised, I must say. Felt that twang, damn Cupid. Mm-mm-mm. You know, she still has that sweet, sweet sachet. Mmm. And peace. <laughs> you know, I'll, I, I love that poem. It always, every time you read it, it makes me think about a line that Robin Williams says in the movie, What Dreams May Come. And that's when he's talking to his wife uh, in the underworld and realizes that he can't save her and he's getting ready to leave and he's thanking for all the beautiful things. And he says, you know, thank you for always being someone I want to touch, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. one of the things, there's a poem I wrote a long time ago about my great-grandma. I couldn't have been no more than five, maybe. But I remember, stand, I remember sitting at a table in my great-grandma's kitchen. And I was sitting there using my knife and I was playing with the whipped honey. Um, it was this little wax container of whipped honey and uh, like a little wax tub that had whipped honey in it. And she was making us soda biscuits on the stove and in the fry pan. And my great grandpa walks by and slaps her on the butt. And she turned and looked at him and got so embarrassed and she shook the spatula at him, and I remember the dress she had on was white with blue flowers, and her underarm kind of waved back and forth when she was shaking the spatula, and she was blushing, and she kind of motioned towards the table like, don't do that, the kids are watching. And I thought, I, I didn't understand at the time what I was seeing, but I knew that I was seeing something important. And so I sat there and went over every detail of the moment because I didn't want to forget it. I knew that it was important. And you know, so when you're, you know, mm, her sachet after all those years, you know, I think about instantly it made me think about great grandma shaking the spatula at great grandpa because he smacked her on the butt after all those years. You know, he was still, mm-hmm. you know, flirting with his bride. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. So great poem. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you. And I want to thank you for letting me host this evening. Oh, no problem. Definitely my pleasure. Oh, wait, we've got 419. 419, do you want to come on the air? Yes. They don't have their hand up. 419, if you want to come on the air, press 1. Please. <laughs> Please. Okay. No, just do it, damn it. See, there we go. 419, you're on the air. <laughs> hey, Nada. Hey, sweetie, how are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. I'm glad you were able to get in tonight. Uh, well, I'm actually still trying to find something to uh, to read. Um, um, did you have a good Fourth of July? I did. How about you? Did I stayed home and I made chicken? Wow, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> um, Tell okay, me I'm why gonna, you made the chicken. When, <laughs> What's that? Tell him why you made the chicken. Because I had a girl that ordered a costume for me for a Burning Man thing, and she's going as a barbarian, and I need the leg bones for the costume. So I made a whole Uh bunch of hot chicken legs baked in the oven so that after everyone was done eating them, and I'm giving them to all my neighbors and everybody, I get to use the bones for the costume. That's why I made them. (laughs) 
This just makes me sound really creepy. I said at the beginning of the show, here, you want some chicken? Just give me back the bones. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't go near that lady. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm that neighbor. You know that neighbor everyone has in the neighborhood, that one? I'm that one. <laughs> yeah, why not? So did you find well, it? I just, I, well, no, but I just do one from the top of my head. Uh, one, one that I had memorized. It's from uh, I see. It's, uh, I have you know. I told you I was working on a book. Uh, uh, Tears from the Hood. Uh, it's published and it's out now. Uh, so I'm going to do one of the poems from that book. It's from a medley called Role Models. Um, so uh, here goes. Uh, I saw this young brother. He was wearing a wearing a frown. Hold on to me. Alright, I'm drawing a blank. Um, okay. Okay, sure. Go. Hold on. I, I think I got it. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do a different one. This is called a letter to my son. It's from it's from the same the same uh, book. It's called a letter to my son. I'm writing you this letter, man, cause cause I want you to be a better man, and I pray to God you can't see, cause I don't want you to be like me. And I know I caused you strife by by not being a part of your life. See, your mom's your mom should have been my wife, but I wasn't down with that. For me, the streets is where it was at, and I wasn't there to watch you grow. See, I was too busy getting paid, making money and getting laid, and I didn't know. The pain that you were feeling and the pain you may be still in, and man, this shit is killing me because I never wanted to be the man my daddy was. See, he was a pimp monkey, a street junkie who never cared for nothing but self. Left me and mom's on the shelf. Mom turned the booze, what more could I lose? So I took my cues from the street. But you can beat these stress that we fall in. You can be the master of your call-in. Because it's not too late for you to get your head on straight. Don't let the streets claim you. Let no one defame you. And when folks try to game you, just say no. See, I was thinking of you, and I just want to tell you that I love you. So I'm writing you this letter, man, because I want you to be a better man. And I pray to God you can. Much love. Bad. End poem. Bravo. Outstanding. Thank you. That was that was very powerful and very straightforward. Wow. Thank you. I always get so glad when you're able to call in, Melvin. You know, and I tell you this all the time, but it's I, I know you know it, but I want the world to know it that I am absolutely one hundred percent president of your fan club groupie status person. <laughs> and I would well, probably stalk you. you if I knew where you lived. Just saying. <laughs> But I've just I've always loved your writing. There is there there's a part of me that your writing talks to, you know, and it, it it's such an honest it's it's like it's a very deep connection I feel to your writing. You know, it, it, it hits me in such an honest place and I absolutely love it. I always have and 
you know, I know that you get busy and you, you slide in here by the seat of your pants most nights, but please don't ever stop doing that because I absolutely love having you on the show. I absolutely love sharing you with the world and, and having them hear you. And and uh, I just think you're awesome, hon. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I love being here. I'm really going to try to make it more awesome. <laughs> awesome. I, I mean, I love, I love being on the show. I love listening to the show. And, and, and I mean, I just, I just thank you great. I love you. And so I just want to, I'm going to try to make it more often. Thank you so much, sweetheart. Do me a favor. Tell everyone how they can find you. Uh, You can find me on, I'm on Facebook under um, Melvin D. Johnson. And uh, like I said, I just actually, I just completed a book. It's called Tears from the Hood. And it's on Amazon. It's on uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, It's on about, uh, I guess, four different uh, sites. But there's a link to every one of them on my on my Facebook page. So awesome, Stan. Do you want to comment, honey? I just want to say that that was a, a an amazing and very honest piece about a dad Thank saying, you. "Yeah, this is the life I ended up going with, but I want you to not go my way. I want you to find your own way." That was, you know. Oh wow! Yeah, my biological father—he wasn't—he wasn't in my life, and um, and then I, I had a son whose mother didn't tell me about him until he was almost a teenager. So I I wasn't in his life till he was in high school, you know. And that was a poem that I kind of wrote, you know, reflecting my feelings about my father not being in my life and. And, and me not being in my son's life, but through no fault of my own, you know. So it was yeah. kind of a message to both. It was kind of a message for me to both of them. Yes, and a damn well done one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give your Facebook page once again, sweetheart. It's Melvin Douglas Johnson on Facebook. Very cool. All right, we will talk to you next week if you're able to get in. Thank you so much for being here, sweetheart. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Stan, once again, thank you for being here with me tonight and hosting and hanging out. I really enjoy it when you do that. Do you want to do me a favor and remind everybody once again how they can find you? You can find me on Facebook as Stanley Phillips. You can find me on Nyla's Speakeasy Cafe, World Poetry Open Mic, on the Epiphany Group's uh, Inspiration Factory or on uh, Poetry in the Raw. I'm with the Anthology Group, the Garden of Poetry and Prose. I'm in the Outlaw Poetry Group, which is Philip Kent Church's group, and I am also in a group of my own, which is Friends of Words, Wonder, Wisdom, and Wit. Very cool. All right, sweetheart, appreciate you. Thank you for hanging out with me tonight. Always a pleasure, Nyland. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody. You have been listening to the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show, The Sound of Ink. I appreciate you all being here. All righty. I'm going to close the show with Sabrina Benham, and this is a piece called Glass Girl. We'll see you guys next week for the live show, and I'm looking forward to it. Good night, poets. Somewhere, a girl made of glass just said her goodbyes and turned to leave. 
She was followed by a boy who keeps a wheelbarrow of boulders in his back pocket. I wish I could tell her, do not let him walk you home. See, it begins with a tap on the shoulder, lighter than a pebble on a windshield splinter. He reminds her it is not safe to walk alone at night. She thinks, oh, what a soothing voice you have. He thinks the better to lure you to bed. Dear girl, do not fall for this hypnosis. As romantic as rocks tapping at your window, he smiles, revealing two rows of bricks. She thinks, oh, what nice teeth you have. He thinks the better to eat you. Dear girl with body of glass synagogue, that boy wants to digest you into a junkyard of recycled glass bodies. The thrill of your scratch crusading down his throat wets his wild wolf whistle. That boy will use his boulders as flint. Set up camp in your garden, do not invite him inside. He will only decorate your love's interior, leaving ash and unswept shards of your self-esteem. He will tell you, you don't have enough furniture, not enough places to sit as if a floor was only made for standing. As if an empty room is not enough for a person, do not bless his soul with your blood when you fracture under his feet. Muzzletov, when that boy hands you a drink, a vial of magic potion to polish you translucent so he can see right through you so he can see himself inside of you, dear glass girl. No amount of Windex will wipe his handprints clean. She thinks, oh, what big hands you have. But he thinks better to hold yours down, no? Becomes a renegotiation of terms, a rocking teeter-totter of resistance, but his boulders weigh more than your glass match. Do not waste time sweeping the mess. Instead, Dress your cracks in gold. You are not a honey jar in the hands of a hungry beast. You are not an hourglass wasting time on boys who break things to feel powerful. Dear girl, you are stained glass mosaic, prism of unapologetic shine. Your body is an accidental instrument of light, illuminating backbone, glowing electric. Reinforce your reflectors. You do not need to be the example of how easy it is to break. You are not alone. Tonight across this country there is an army of bulletproof glass girls walking home as if walking into war, armored with keys between their fingers and pepper spray in their palms, tucking themselves in safely and considering tonight another battle won. Hi, I'm Sabrina Benet. This piece is called Glass Girl. It speaks to the experience of walking home alone at night as a woman.